And we are back, Politically Correct Podcast, Saturday, January 19th, 2019. My name's Tommy. We've got Mike in here as well. We are uh, government shutdown day 28, I believe, the last time I checked. So we're going strong there, keeping the streak alive. Uh, We were not in the studio last weekend. We were, uh, well, I was out of town. Mike was busy. So um, we're back now. Mike, how's it going? What have I missed? It's going well. It's going real well. Everything's good in the uh, in my neck of the woods up here. Um, you haven't missed much, but uh, we'll cover that here in a little bit. Um, yeah, excited to be back. Government shutdown still going strong. Yeah. Still holding out for that wall money, baby. Yep. Um, it's fantastic. <laughs> Phenomenal. And all other adjectives that would uh, go along with that. They're synonyms. So anyway, what what do you want to do first? You want to get into sports? Want to do non-sports? I wouldn't mind starting with sports. I feel like it's a nice, yeah. uh, somewhat cheery way to kick off the the pod. Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of stuff. This is a big weekend of sports. We it got is. AFC, NFC Championship. We got boxing. We got UFC. Basketball, if that's your thing. NHL, yep. if that's your thing. College hoops. A lot going on. A lot going on in the world of sports. Right. Um, A lot of opportunities to make or lose money. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, I supported uh, Las Vegas, Vegas Strong last weekend while I was in Las Vegas. And uh, (laughs) for divisional round, I went in with high hopes and I left just defeated, but felt good about supporting Las Vegas and helping them build new casinos and (laughs) <laughs> just helping the local infrastructure like I typically do. So um, don't listen to my gambling advice this year. I don't know what it is. I've been ice cold since college football kicked off back in August. And just like the government shut down, I'm keeping the streak alive. Yeah. Did you end up following on that over? The the, the Saints Eng- one? New England uh, Patriots Chargers. No, I went. I believe it's 47 and a half. No, I was way smarter than you. I took Pats minus three at the half, so I cashed out at the half. I didn't even have to wait till the third quarter. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that was the one that I got right over the weekend. I should have just should have just put it all on the Patriots in January. That usually pays out pretty well. But I got greedy, and Vegas reminded me that that doesn't work. And uh, just uh, it was a rough weekend, and typically not so much for the divisional round. I typically do a little bit better. But uh, it was the the weekend of the home favorites, and I did not bet on those teams. Absolutely. So, would you say you're an unemployed degenerate gambler right now? Or I would not <laughs> say that. I might be accused of such, but I would not say that. Not to the world. Yeah, it was a. If we if we do remove that, we can't. No, I mean. I'm employed. I'm an employed citizen of the United States of America. Just I'm just not getting paid for it, but I'm employed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um fantastic. Yeah, that was that was a that was a zinger right off the bat, <laughs> huh? I don't know. I'm in a weird mood. I'm a little under the weather, so I might get a little crazy during this episode, so who knows? But um yeah. So Wait, what's what's that? I missed that. Weather? Oh, 
yeah, I'm a little under the weather, so it might be affecting my mental state, and so I might throw zingers like that out occasionally. Oh, okay. So How's the weather where you are? How's your weather in your neck of the woods? Um, it's all right. We're like, yeah. you know, 50s. So yeah. 40s, 50s, whatever. Sweet. Yeah. Yep. So, NFL, this weekend we have the Rams of Los Angeles mm-hmm. at the Saints of New Orleans. Um, your take on that? I like the Rams going into New Orleans down in the bayou to pull off the upset minus three Rams, uh, mostly because of what the Rams did to me last weekend, and I took the Cowboys plus seven, and apparently C.J. Anderson is the new Jerome Bettis. I didn't anticipate that. I didn't even know he was still in the league, and leave it to Sean McVay to just uncover this diamond in the rough and turn him into Jerome Bettis and uh, Brandon Jacobs combined. So I like Sean McVay and Jared Goff and company to go in there and advance to the Super Bowl. And the Saints didn't cover the 31-point team total that I covered last week, so that might also play a factor (laughs) in my bias here. There you go. Um, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take the Saints at home. Uh, I'm going to take Drew Brees. And I'm going to take Sean Payton bringing in the Super Bowl trophy and a bunch of cash and showing it to his players. I have a problem with that move. And the problem is he wasn't very honest with the cash. He brought the the $250,000 in singles, which really, really inflates what that (laughs) looks like. Because if he had brought that in in $100 bills, that would have been like less than a shoebox full of cash. And I get he was trying to do it for the effect. It's very misleading to your team. I don't like a coach who lies to his players. I like a coach who's transparent. Okay. okay. Also, he did that in the wrong week. He did that in the divisional round. So even when you beat the Eagles, you don't advance to the Super Bowl. You advance to the conference championship. I'm not sure if he's familiar with the playoff uh, layout, playoffs. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you don't advance to the Super Bowl after you beat the Eagles. You advance to the conference championship, and you don't get a Super Bowl Lombardi trophy for that. So uh, another another point to the Rams. Very true. Because how do you true. follow up uh, that this week? What's the motivation this week? Is he going to bring out the same thing in quarters? No, no he's going to bring out um, $250,000 worth of cocaine. And <laughs> oh, oh, that's going to be even smaller than the $100 bills. That's going to be like a little rock that you find at the, the beach. He's going he's gonna gonna to do, do, do the same strategy and just cut it. Just cut it's it with just going to be a beignet, a la, a la John Jones. Oh yeah, you can bring John Jones in, and he can demonstrate how to snort two hundred fifty thousand dollars in one evening. Yeah, or but you could cover a beignet in cocaine. That would be kind of culturally relevant. And then all the NFL players, because they're snorting that creatine cut or the cocaine cut with creatine, which is then in turn contaminated by Terinabol. New Orleans Saints minus three and a half. Taking picograms. <laughs> wow, we picograms got really deep all there. Over the place. Yeah, we <laughs> really circled back on the old picograms. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of picograms. Money just money just doesn't get you what it used to. Yep. Dollar is just not as strong these days. It depends on what you're measuring it against. See, yeah. you might tune into ESPN or some like other sports podcast to get some like quote unquote sports uh, like analysis and breakdown of the games, but they don't go truly behind the scenes to really uncover what makes a team tick, like you do here at the Politically Correct podcast. Definitely not. And am I alleging that Sean Payton may 
or that cocaine may make Sean Payton take? I don't know. It's, you can make you the know. same argument for Sean McVay as well. That guy, his <laughs> eyes are going a million miles an hour. He's, he's yammering. <laughs> I don't have a problem with a coach doing it. What's, I don't mean, I guess I don't really have a problem with anybody in the NFL doing it. Negative. Not a, not even, I don't even think that would really help. Don't think it would. I don't know. I think they it would help a coach maybe. Do it in baseball. Yeah, I could see that. You'd be just reading the stripes of the baseball. You could see like a curve coming as soon as it leaves the pitcher's hands. Yeah, but I think it only, I don't know. Lawrence Taylor, it worked pretty effectively for him. I yeah, guess, crack so. cocaine worked pretty dang effective. Would he have been as good of a player had he not done the crack? Who knows? Would he have been better I don't know. off of it? Who knows? I don't know. I don't These know. These are questions that I don't have answers to. We don't have the research, and that's important. According to Bill Parcells, to I don't think done. it really even. I like Bill Parcells. Like I don't think he even cared as long as he showed up on Sunday. Yeah, it works out for John Jones. So who knows? I we've brought up two of the greatest sports legends of all time who have had cocaine uh, issues in their careers, and they both seem to be doing pretty well in the field of battle. Not so much outside, but. Yeah, just to be clear, the Bro Locally Correct podcast does not endorse cocaine usage. Not in the slightest, except if you're an NFL player <laughs> or or a play caller. Because if you're a play caller and you're on cocaine, you're going to see some wild shit. Exactly. Like, uh, oh, how about um, maybe an onside kick to start the second half of the Super Bowl? That sounds like someone on cocaine would make that decision. Sean Payton. This is just these are just facts. This is just science. And um Stop it, me when I'm wrong. This is the analysis that you won't get anywhere else. <laughs> Hank so Basket should have been on cocaine. If Hank Basket <laughs> was on cocaine, he would not have fumbled that onside kick and then he wouldn't have been on some weird reality show where he Yeah, I don't know. That Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a different Hank. story. That's uh, <laughs> we'll leave Hank alone. He's been through enough. <laughs> he had to go to the University of New Mexico. He's been through enough. <laughs> So, yeah, Tommy's taking Rams minus three and a half. <laughs> I'm taking the Saints. Um, how do you feel about the over-under at 57? I don't think I like either over-unders this weekend. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go under if I had to I'd go, it, yeah, I'd go I under at both games. About it. Um, oh. I'd, I would, which means you should feel great about the over based off of my recent <laughs> predictions. But I, f- I like the under in both games. We'll get to the second one in a second, but... I like the under in both of them. 57 is a lot of points for a conference championship game. I mean, I know both these offenses are pretty potent, but I feel like in crunch time and, like, conference championships, defenses rise up a little bit. There's so much, like, every play matters. You play a little bit harder. Definitely. So, yeah, I think I'm not going to mess with this one, this total, but I will take the Ram- or the Saints at home against the Rams. Roger Drew Brees, that. locked in. Hopefully... It's just like a Cinderella story. Well, not Cinderella story. C- fairy tale, I guess. Mm-hmm. Not Cinderella story is what I'm looking for. As the the old gunslinger rides off in the sunset. Yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah, I was talking to some people earlier in the week about the four remaining teams we have left. And I think I can like honestly say any combination we get for the Super Bowl is going to be pretty solid. Uh, oh, story I'm super line. happy. Right. Super happy with the, the conference finals. Yeah. Right. Uh, like any story, like or any combination has like some legit good storylines and interesting players and coaches on all sides. Not really anybody that you really hate. I mean, everyone hates the Patriots. It seems like, but 
I don't personally. But uh, and even if you do hate them, then don't you want to see them like lose in the Super Bowl? So I think it's I think we're pretty pretty set for an awesome Super Bowl. Absolutely, both two teams that have veteran quarterbacks, two teams that have younger quarterbacks mm-hmm. that are just coming up. Mm-hmm. It's all good. I, I yeah. like all the storylines. Right. Andy Reid will the blind <laughs> squirrel find an acorn? Oh Nobody my knows. gosh. Uh. I kind of want him. I don't really want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, but it would be kind of nice to see Andy Reid with that big smile on his face, hoisting the Lombardi. Just imagining how much he's going to eat afterwards. Be that would be nice. And I love Patty Money. Patty Money is my favorite NFL player at this moment in time. Just I love him too, but last week when I bet against him, I didn't love him so much. So it's kind of tarnished right now. But he's just. If you bet against him, he's the most infuriating person to watch play because he just makes plays that literally like a, the majority of people don't make or like can't even wouldn't even consider making. And he's just such a play like there's just they always talk about like there's players that you like there's just things you can't coach and like that's him in a nutshell. There's just he can do things that you just you either can do it or you can't and there's really no amount of practice that will lend you to be able to do it or not. Just on the fly sidearm throws <laughs> underneath two defenders. Yeah. yeah. And he's so smart when he's outside of the pocket too. He's never really looking to run, but he like he's just able to find guys open and buy time and utilize a pump fake and use his feet to get guys open. It's just as a defense, you just gotta be like, What what can I do? Like I don't even we did everything we were supposed to do and they still gained twenty eight yards. Unquestionable playmaker, questionable food condiment decisions, though. The worst off-the-field food decision-making. It just got to balance itself out, I guess. Yeah, you can't win them all. Can't win them all. No. Yeah, if you're putting ketchup on your steak at, like, a legit steakhouse, yeah. Hopefully you're good in some other aspect of your life because that's very deficient. Extremely. And so let's move on to the Pats and Casey. Mm-hmm. Questionable food decision making. Right. The playmaking is definitely there. The Chiefs are at home. They do have Andy Reid as their head coach. How do you feel about this game? I'm not betting against the Patriots in January. That's my stance. I'm sticking with it. I think it's going to be an all-time game, just like what we saw when these two teams met up in Foxborough earlier in the season. I think it'll be a May. Well, you know, I think there's still going to be some points scored. No, I don't think the overall hit, but I think some points scored for sure. Both offenses should be able to do what they want versus the opposing defenses. It's supposed to be pretty dang cold. But I kind of just see a back-and-forth game, and just see the Patriots pulling it out in the end because I think it'll come down to some coaching decision making and the Patriots have the upper hand there and they always will but I expect a very very competitive back and forth very fun game to watch on a Sunday evening definitely and it's hard to pick like you're saying because of the coaching decision making but I feel like this year's kind of a weird year in Alabama getting blown out in the national championship and so carrying on with that weirdness, I'm taking Kansas City to beat the New England Patriots in January and advance to the Super Bowl. That's, it's that's possible. You got a score prediction? The score prediction is a little tougher because yeah. with it being so cold, even though the, the, the Patriots just ran up the score with um, 
against the Chargers. Mm-hmm. But eh, I feel like I just this is not based on any logical perspective other than the fact that the Patriots have a pretty good defense. Um, and it's going to be cold, and Patrick Mahomes is a young quarterback in the AFC Championship. I feel like it's going to be a lower-scoring game. Uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. go... I'm going to go 24-17. Oh, okay. Yeah. Chiefs That's to cover. Win and cover. Win and cover. Good teams win, great teams cover. That's what I'm going with. I don't know okay. why, but it just is reminiscent of past situations like mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick you know playing against uh Aaron Rodgers uh, yeah and blowing them out and then advancing to his first su- and only Super Bowl yeah uh yeah good I'm excited that'll be a fun matchup it will be so both are good should be a good week of football fantastic cool uh moving on or I guess moving backwards, since that's the Sunday matchup. Do you want to talk about a little boxing, a little MMA? Yeah, let's Big go Saturday ahead night. and... Yeah, huge Saturday night. Um, I'm going to start with the MMA, I guess. Do yeah. it. Do, do it. it. ESPN. So UFC on ESPN. It's the first time that they'll be on ESPN. Um, part of the new deal after leaving Fox, um, who they were with before. Uh, I I love ESPN Plus and that streaming platform. I've already shilled for them before, um, so I'm not going to do any additional shilling now. But one week free trial, if you haven't used it, this would be the weekend to hop on there. The great fight card on ESPN. Uh, starting with, there's there's a bunch of good fights on there um, that that I'm not going to talk about. But the first one I'm going to start with is um, Arian. Ariane Lipsky, the violence queen versus Joanne Calderwood. Um, she's just a highly touted prospect coming over from KSW, a Polish promotion. She's on a huge win streak, and she may be the most attractive female MMA fighter out there, pound for pound. Um, That's a bold, a bold statement, statement, my friend. Bold Especially statement. considering there's another fight on this matchup where two of the fighters could dethrone your pick right there. Yeah, I'd definitely take her over either. either wow. One of those. Oh, interesting. Just just personal taste. There's yeah, no accounting for it. Something about it. But she's a, regardless of looks, and yeah. uh, she's she's a very um, talented fighter. She's fighting Joanne Calderwood. Um, they both kind of have similar styles. They're both very good strikers with horrendous takedown defense and good submission skills. So... They're they're kind of mirror images of each other. I just feel like Lipsky is the more explosive fighter, the more varied in her striking, and I think she gets it done. So. But that's not that's not a bet pick. I'll have some of those later. But uh, I'm excited okay. for that fight. Moving on to a fight that you'll have some interest in. Uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone is fighting yeah. Alexander Hernandez. Your thoughts on oh this? Boy Cerrone. What do you think about your boy Cerrone and his odds against Hernandez? Uh, I think last time I checked, he was like plus 135, somewhere around there. Mm. I like it. It's moved a little bit. He's plus 160, Hernandez minus 185. Uh, Yeah, I like Cerrone there. I feel like he's been uh, 
been an underdog for those last couple of fights, especially against these younger guns that are coming up and think that they can just mess around with the old dog. But old dog knows some tricks. Uh, he'll get in there. You know we're going to get a performance out of him. You know he's going to bang, and uh, I'm excited for the fight. Um, I love his get-up at the Barclays Center yesterday, just coming in like straight off the ranch. Just uh, one of those old-school, legendary UFC fighters. Definitely. Cerrone, at 35 years old, is 100% a legend in the UFC. Uh, the guy will fight anywhere, anytime. Fights is more active as far as fights per year than... 99.9% of the UFC roster right. always gets in there, gives it his all. Uh, I've rarely seen a not entertaining cowboy fight. That being said, he is 35 years old. He is 2-4 and four in his last six fights with three TKO losses. His wins in that stretch have come over Yancey Medeiros and Mike Perry, not the greatest talents in either division. Um, and I'm super high on Alexander Hernandez. Uh, the kid is just he he provides such suffocating pressure it's very reminiscent of could be not saying that the the skill levels in the the same ballpark but his pressure is insane he carries an insane pace and we saw that in the his last fight against um olivier abon mercier i don't know french so there it is but uh canadian yeah, yeah, but French. you know it's French. It's French Canadian. So, French Canadian, uh, but Canadian, French. Yeah, I've been very, very impressed with that performance. Uh, he also in the fight before that came out and blasted Benil Darius with right hand um, to win that fight in forty-two seconds. He's on an eight-fight win streak. He's twenty-six years old, and he is just the worst style matchup for Donald Cerrone. Cerrone does best when you give him space to work and. Um, you know, let him get his combinations in, let him get into a rhythm, use his length and his distance, his kicks, get those involved. Alexander Hernandez is going to be right up in his face. He's going to be going out for takedown after takedown after takedown, and he's going to push him up against the cage, grind on him, and that is not a good spot for Don Cerrone. If you're betting this fight, this is not financial advice, and uh, blah, 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 but uh, I would definitely take Alexander Hernandez minus 185 over Cerrone. There you go. Mike just told you to throw every dollar you've ever earned on Alexander Hernandez. Absolutely. <laughs> throw it all on there. Um, Elsewhere. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, God forbid Cerrone doesn't win tonight. How much more fighting does he have realistically compared to what he wants to do? In, in what capacity? Um, just fighting in the UFC in general, being right. a successful UFC fighter. What are we talking about? Yeah, being a successful UFC fighter on a big card. He will always get put on big cards until he just starts losing and losing and losing and losing, which he's headed in that direction. If he loses this one two in five in the last seven, that wouldn't be great. Um, but he's always fighting the upper echelon of UFC fighters. It's true. It's not like they, he's fighting tomato cans. Yeah, and so they could very easily just drop down his level of opposition and have him squash some uh, up-and-comers or, uh, you know, some of the older fighters who aren't doing as well. And he could stick around for a long, long time. I could see that happening. But I, I could also see him, you know, just 
I don't know what his contract status is, but once his contract status is up, going to a smaller organization and dominating there, or not dominating, but, you know, uh, having headlining, more success there. Yeah, getting paid a lot to not definitely. fight the same level of competition. Unfortunately, I feel like we have many more years of Donald Cowboy Cerrone fighting, and that's not because I don't like Cowboy. That's just because, in my personal opinion or just seeing how i would do things if i were a fighter i just wouldn't want to be taking that much damage later in my career definitely right especially as a fan or like even a family member or something like that how much abuse do you want them taking like at what point what else do you have to prove yeah but but that's just not who donald is either um and i i guess i can respect that you know i can i don't understand Mm -hmm. it but i can respect that he just wants to go out on his shield, and he's not hes not looking to play it safe in anything he does in his life. It seems to be the case, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he told that uh, story. He was underwater underwater cave diving. Oh, yeah, that was, just, uh, that was an anxiety-filled story. Oh, man, I just listened to that. I got... I was like sweating in the gym yeah. listening to that story. He lost the line. Um, his his partner who he's diving with kind of like abandoned him. Yep. He was just scrambling to find a way out and and luckily did, but whew, anxiety inducing for sure. Yeah. No, thank you. Elsewhere on the card. So those two fights, um, Hernandez and Cerrone are headlining the prelim fights, which it's it's all on ESPN Plus, or so there's no real separation, I guess. It's, you won't have to switch over or anything. You're just watching it all on that channel. So anyway, um, the other attractive female fight, which that's not what we should judge female fighters on, but nope. hey, it happens. Um, I mean, there's a reason why these two are fighting on this card for UFC's f- introduction to ESPN absolutely and if you can't admit that then you're just ignorant yeah you're just ignorant to the dynamics of play now whether or not those dynamics should be part of our society you can debate that all day sure but it's happening right now and we're watching it in so fact, you might as well watch I, it yeah and i think and the way in <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we have Paige van zandt versus rachel Os- rachel ostovich um on the main card which so, so <laughs> like we're saying, move. those dynamics doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all because Paige Van Zant is sitting at a salty seven and four. I, I have a, <laughs> I have a, I have a legitimate question that it might sound like a joke, but I, it's a serious question, and you have to take it seriously. Proceed. Has Paige Van Zant ever won a mixed martial artist fight? Uh, what? Yes. Okay. I, I, I don't understand. Uh, elaborate. I've never seen her win. I feel like every time I watch yeah. her, she loses. Yeah, she loses quite frequently. Um, like I said, seven and four, and a lot of those wins came earlier in his, her career. Uh, she's not the greatest fighter. She's very tough. She gets in there, and she's athletic, and she's tough, and she's athletic, and she's tough. And that's like what she really has going for her. Um, not the greatest fighter in the world. Very charismatic, like we said, attractive. Yeah. Not taking um, anything away from her. I think she. I like. I enjoy her. I like. I think she's a good representative of the UFC. I don't have any personal problems with her. I just, when I watch her fight, I don't usually see her win. 
No, she doesn't. And that's not what the majority of people like about her. That's not what the majority of people probably follow her for. Um, she was on Dancing with the Stars. She's just kind of a, a celebrity fighter more than she is a fighter. Yeah, and good I, I for her. Say. I don't I don't fault her for that. She's, she's playing the game the right way. Yeah, and in spite of that, she's still she's still pre- performing at a very high level. I mean, she's in the UFC. She has had some victories over good people, but it brings me to a point that I was going to bring up. Page out of these two fighters, Paige Van Zant seven and four, Rachel Ostovich four and four. Um, Paige Van Zant is the only person who ha- who has a win over somebody who has a winning record, and that was against Felice Herrig. Um, and Herrig was, she admits at that time she was going through um, one of the worst bouts of depression and anxiety in her life and mm. was not well uh, mentally. So, yeah. So not we've got an, having... an 11 and 8 combined record for a fight on the main card of the UFC on ESPN. Correct, and of those eight <laughs> wins, only one of those wins was over comes a over a fighter with a winning record. <laughs> well, I'm gonna watch, so, so I, I don't I don't know what I'm critiquing. <laughs> yeah. So that being said, um, I, I'm definitely taking Paige Van Zandt in this fight. Uh, yeah, she is the more proven fighter against tougher opposition. Um, what what is she sitting at? One sixty, you said. Minus one sixty, yeah. Yeah, minus 160 over Ostevich. Um, She's the more proven fighter with a better winning record. I've watched Ostevich fight. Not as good. You know, doesn't look great against the poor opposition. Not just like, you know, not great opposition, but poor opposition. Doesn't look great. Four and four. Um, I'll take Van Zandt here all day at minus 160. And honestly, wouldn't feel too bad throwing Hernandez and Van Zant on our parlay together. Ooh, so. there you go. Mike told you again, throw all of your money on the parlay. Absolutely. Do it. Mike, um, Mikey, financial mortgage lender. Moving on, we also have Joseph Benavidez uh, making Olivia's boo, fighting against Dustin Ortiz on this card. Um, I expect him to win that. Uh, he's just he's at the top of the division or close to um, only gets beat by the best of the best or uh, top five guys pretty much just think he'll be too much with his wrestling and striking for Ortiz and then that brings us to the co-main event yeah Um, two individuals well one individual we're very familiar with the other one is pretty much unknown I'll let Tommy take the lead on this well, I have a I have a question to start my uh, lead taking. Am I a bad person for being excited for this fight? No, absolutely not. Oh. Okay, so the fight, the co-main event is uh, Greg Hardy versus Alan Crowder. Greg Hardy is one of the most deplorable human beings our nation has to offer. Uh, serial domestic abuser, a very violent. Uh, human being, formerly of the NFL. He was banned from the NFL, so he transitioned over the mixed martial art artist game. And he's 3-0, I believe, uh, in the UFC so far, and all of his knock- or, and they've all been knockouts like under a minute. So a physical specimen, heavyweight. He's fighting this uh, tomato can, Alan Crowder. Alan self-proclaimed pretty boy Crowder, who's actually not pretty, just to be honest. And Definitely not pretty. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's one of those like uh, they call you like Skinny Joe, and you're like 400 pounds. Maybe one of those B- things. Biggie Smalls. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you go. So 
yeah, the reason why I ask if I'm a bad person for watching or looking forward to this fight is because of just how horrible of a person Greg Hardy is. But based off of that, it's kind of like watching Mayweather fight, also not the greatest person of all time. You kind of tune in to watch them lose, even though Greg Hardy's sitting at a whopping minus 550 right now, meaning that he's pretty much anticipated to win this fight. But I wouldn't mind seeing him get knocked the F out. I, I would love to see Greg Hardy get beat. It's not happening in this fight. But like you're saying, are you a bad person for wanting to watch this fight? No. I mean, if they're putting it on, then it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be exciting. There's the there's the opportunity for Greg Hardy to get, you know, what some people believe Flat he deserves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exa- exactly. Um, and it's that dichotomy. It's that either you are tuning in to because you love a fighter or to watch them lose. That's yep. what makes it so exciting. If I just don't really care about you either way, then I'm not going to care about the fight as much. And and that's what makes you know Floyd Mayweather a draw. That's what makes Conor McGregor a draw. That's what makes um, John Jones a draw. That's what makes Greg Hardy a draw. All these people, we we feel strongly about them. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're so popular, even if that popularity is the result of negative feelings about them. Someone like Daniel Cormier, even though that per- Daniel Cormier should be a superstar because of what he does, mm-hmm. the person he is, the kind of moral character he has, the father he is, the terrible things he's been through in his life. It's not enough. People don't care. Right. Pe- G- people- Gennady Golovkin's another guy. Yeah, it- People care about someone who either talks a bunch of shit and backs it up or someone who talks a bunch of shit, backs it up, and is also a terrible person. It's the, weird how we function only... like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at the presidency. But anyway. Well. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's That's the way the majority of America is. I don't know why it's that way, but it is that way. So, excited to watch it. Um, I fully expect Greg Hardy to KO him. In the first round. Uh, under a minute? Does he keep his streak alive? I don't know about under a minute. Uh, I think Alan Crowder will probably be pretty cautious. Pretty boy, um, I think is what you meant. Yeah, pretty boy will be pretty <laughs> cautious. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, so it might go longer than a minute, but I definitely don't see this going outside of the first round. KO, Greg Hardy. I don't know what the ar- odds are on that, prop odds, but if they're semi-decent, I'd throw a little change on that as well. Um, and you know the reason that this has become such a big deal on this card is because mm-hmm. Rachel Ostovich recently s- suffered domestic violence to the point where uh, either she had a broken orbital or that I think they thought it needed to be surgically repaired at first but she's able to fight she got cleared for this card um, and, and people were talking about the impropriety of having someone who has been uh the face of beating up women on the same card as someone who's experienced domestic violence. So the UFC received a lot of backlash for that. Dana White <laughs> one after Ariel Hawani for even mentioning the fact. I feel like Ariel Hawani, yeah. if you're not familiar, is one of like the most famous UFC journalists or covering the UFC. Best and, in the game. Uh, yeah, I love him, but I feel like Dana White just using his, uses him as like his personal punching bag, or anytime he's frustrated with something, he just goes after Ariel Hawani, who's like, it seems like from what I know about him, is just like a nice, sincere, just honest dude who's trying to just 
point out facts and Dana White just loves ripping him apart like at a personal level just completely uncalled for and the thing I like most about Ariel is that he a lot of the MMA journalists just toe the line with Dana and kind of just fluff him and tell him things mm-hmm. he wants to hear and only ask positive questions and stuff and Ariel's that one journalist and there are others out there but he's the face of asking the tough questions that Dana is not going to like and yeah. possibly suffering consequences and repercussions because mm-hmm. of that, but doing it because he has, you know, journalistic integrity. Right. So. It sounds like somebody else who's in a position of high power in this country. Yeah, weird. Who's um, also very good friends with Dana White. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very strange how that works out. Yeah. Poor Ariel Hawani. Well, I hope he knows that he has a lot of loyal followers. He's going to be just fine. He's, <laughs> on the, he's on that ESPN Plus. He has his own show. Um, oh, I know Chelsea financially and, he'll be fine. Yeah. And he'll he'll always be covering MMA and stuff. So good yeah. good for him for sticking up for for what he Asking rational is. questions. Exactly. So. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, good yeah. use of the word impropriety, by the way. Kudos for that. <laughs> oh, thank you. That was good. If you're keeping score at home, uh, tally that one up. Uh, yeah, one SAT word of the day is, for Mike. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that brings us to our main event, which has none of the impropriety of the, the co-main. You don't get points um, for using the same word twice. <laughs> TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Cejudo. Uh, the super fight, the 125-pound champion coming up. Or, or, I'm sorry, the 135-pound champion going down oh, yeah. to face the 125-pound champion. Henry Cejudo recently dethroned Demetrius Johnson. Uh, that was a contentious result of that fight. A lot of people thought DJ won. Uh, but including Cejudo yourself. Ended up, what was that? I said yeah, including, including yourself. Myself. Definitely. I definitely thought DJ won that fight. The result of that was Demetrius Johnson left the UFC entirely and went to 1FC. It in a crazy turn of events in a trade for Ben Askren, the first trade in MMA history um, between organizations. It was just a surreal kind of series of events when it was first coming out. Um, Cejudo, now the face of the flyweight division. Uh, Dillashaw, a great champion at 135, has been on a tear recently, um, has looked fantastic in all his fights. I'm extremely excited for this fight and uh it was it was no small feat by tj dillashaw no. cutting those 10 extra pounds to get from 135 to 125 and that was just incredible Brutal. i don't know if you saw the way in yeah but he looked gaunt he looks very very poor extremely gaunt. did did not look good um no I said mean, he felt good but, yeah, I mean, he's not uh, going to say he feels like crap, so. Right. I mean, we've seen some pretty drastic weight cuts in the the history of the UFC and, and other combat sports, but every time you see it, it's just like, gosh, that is not supposed to happen to your, to your body and then go and fight in a brutal combat sport less than 24 hours later. But kudos to him for, for getting down there and doing what he needed to do. Hopefully he can rehydrate and be full strength tonight. Definitely, and it was uh, it's interesting because so now that UFC is on the ESPN, 
they're kind of getting ESPN production value behind some of the things that they're doing. Um, so I watched one thing, and then the other was a – it's called Cut and Dried it, or Cut and Dried Out, and it was basically a photo journal of T.J. Yeah, Dillashaw's weight cut. of his cut. weight cut. I saw that as well where they chronicled his, his journey to 124. Yeah, and that was just fantastic. I mean, yeah, I think great, pretty cool, great pictures. Um, very interesting to detail his weight cut process. It was, I, I really enjoyed it, and that's just the the sort of production value you're gonna get when you come over to ESPN. They also had a, it wasn't an embedded, but it was kind of an embedded. Um, I believe it's called Destined or something like that on ESPN Plus, which I just watched this morning, and the production value is fantastic. Um, the camera work, all that stuff. They need to work on some things as far as telling the story of the two fighters, and um, they need to find Liev Shriver wherever he is and pick him up and uh, have him start narrating it and work on some some music in there. But as far as camera work, it's fantastic. The quality is unmatched by uh, previous embeddeds that I've seen by the UFC. So hopefully we see the development of that kind of the, the build up to the fights and detailing the fighter's journey to the fight to where they are currently in their their backstory um because absolutely. i believe that's that's what really gets you invested in the fights in the fighters and, absolutely uh, that that's what makes watching the events uh that much more important that much more enjoyable so. i'm a huge huge fan of Lee schreiber and any if he was commenting on like the smallest little fight in the corner of the world with two unknowns, but I got like two twenty four seven episodes with him or embedded episodes, I'd be all in on it, completely invested. I love the build up to the fight. That's almost and the sad just thing as fun. is we'll we'll never see that again. HBO's out of boxing. We're gonna have to figure something out. We'll yeah, figure seriously. something out. Uh, seriously. On the other end, kind of uh, other end of the spectrum with these two fighters. Um, should we talk about the snake situation and TJ Dillashaw's just like overall kind of douchiness? Is that appropriate to discuss? Yeah, you can go ahead and discuss is that. that and is that I'll, distracting I'll from the? the <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to no. take away from the fight itself because when you tune in and you pay for the fight, you are paying to watch these two fight. But I think it just mm-hmm. has to be discussed. The uh, face-off where Henry Cejudo brought out a fake snake and like pretended yeah. to kill it smashed it on the ground yeah. which is wild I, th- I to be honest i thought it was real at first i don't know what made me think that and i was like oh you just oh that's not good bro that you that's <laughs> i mean most people don't like snakes or are impartial but like doing that it's gonna ruffle a lot of feathers and uh tj dillashaw just kind of the way he dresses and uh his overall demeanor um isn't very likable and that's totally cool if that's the, like the, the angle that you're trying to play and you want to be the bad guy i respect it that gets views as well uh but from like an outside of the octagon perspective these two don't really do it for me and that's not to take away from what happens in the octagon because these dudes are game and it's gonna be an awesome fight but i i'm not a huge fan of either one of them's like outside of the octagon's overall kind of deal yeah, me neither. Um, it seems forced, to be on. honest with you. It seems like neither well, one of them really have anything to work off of, so they just kind of like, well, what could we do to like sell things? And they just like came up with that for whatever reason. I agree entirely. Uh, Suhudo, I, I don't know. I, I, 
I'm obviously judging this person from afar. I don't really know them. But just in all the interviews, he just comes off as so disingenuous and so he, he I get the feeling that I'm interacting with a sleazy used car salesman. <laughs> that's like that's how I feel when Henry Cejudo gives an interview or is talking about his story or things like that. I just feel dirty after interacting with him via the internet or TV or whatever it is. <laughs> It just, he seems so fake and so just like not a genuine person and not just like, he, it just seems like he's saying what he feels like he's supposed to say his, his trash talk is cheesy and corny. He's got that weird coach that like dresses all crazy and is always wearing like wild sun, sunglasses. It's just, I don't like it at all. And then on Dillashaw's end, you know, he's the ultimate masculine bro and uh somebody on reddit posted a gif of him and justin buckholtz when he was at team alpha male they're in the airport on the um baggage carousel and tj's got his shirt off in a pair of chinos doing yep. mitt work on the baggage carousel with justin buckholtz and it's just yeah. that just perfectly sums up <sighs> the the vibe that tj dillashaw and right. the rest of team alpha male give off yeah you know my thoughts on Team Alpha Male. Yeah, yeah. But you're actually, I believe, you're moving to Sacramento to be a part of Team Alpha <laughs> Male. Isn't that <laughs> what this is all about? Wow. What if I've just been? It's just been secret underlying this entire time. Uh, That'd be incredible. Yeah. Incredible twist of <laughs> events. Yeah, and like I said, I, it shouldn't overshadow what happens in the octagon. And I almost feel like I'm part to blame because I do love the storylines and like personal stories of the fighters like leading up to a fight but these two just don't do anything for me and if you don't if like if there's not much there then i don't know why you have to like create this alter persona unless you just truly are like these people are but i don't know it yeah it shouldn't take away from the fight itself but it kind of does yeah that being said both but like you're saying both of their skill levels are extremely high henry cejudo uh i believe the youngest gold medalist in olympic wrestling uh, for the United States, and um, just a fantastic grappler. He's developed his striking. It's come along very well. Uh, Dillshaw, incredible MMA striker with very unique style, switching stances all the time, lots of movement. Um, him and Dwayne Bang, Bang, Dwayne Bang Ludwig, Dwayne Bang Ludwig. That's that's a mouthful. It's one of um, the greatest UFC coaching names of all time. Yeah, and and they're one of the greatest fighter coach combinations of all time. They are just tuned in to the right wavelength, and they know how to work together, and they they just make each other so much better. And I I like that aspect of the story. I like the fact that TJ has evolved um, as a fighter and has beaten people that you know he's been counted out against and. Just his. I remember the first time he beat Hennen Brow, uh, complete underdog, and just it was viewed as a huge upset. So, here's a question. Both for very you. skilled fighters, good fight. So. Here's a question for you, hard hitting yeah. question. Henry Cejudo is listed at five foot four, one hundred and twenty five pounds. T.J. Dillashaw, five foot six, one hundred twenty five pounds. At least that's what they're fighting at or weighed in at. How many right. people? casual fans watching at the bar tonight or wherever they may be 
think that what percentage of the men think that they can defeat either one of these two in a street fight? 85%. <laughs> you had that number queued up. 85%. Yeah, I was going to say like 94, but yeah, I think 85 is conservative, but you have to take into account that some of the guys who are going to be watching are going to be smaller, so they won't feel like they can take them. And then um, (laughs) there's also the percentage of people who actually train and know what savage killers these two are. But still think that they can beat them because they're 6'2", 240, and they wrestled their sophomore year of high school. Yeah, bro. He's so small. What is he going (laughs) to do? Dude, you could run around all day. The one 25-pounder couldn't touch me, bro. (laughs) Couldn't touch me. He's 5'4". I'll step on him. I don't know why that's what they sound like, but that's what they always sound like. He he doesn't have the power to knock me out, dude. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> one punch, I knock him out. Oh, He's, man. All that's I need is one. That's all I need. That's why I don't leave the house. <laughs> yeah, I'm are you going to be uh, signing up for ESPN Plus to view uh, these fights? I'm tonight? glad you asked, and funny you should ask, because I have been thinking about that the last 24 hours. I, I was like, well, I can't illegally stream the Pacquiao fight and this, I got to be a good loyal uh, servant to one of these organizations. So I was like, well, I'll just um, maybe use a streaming device for the Pacquiao fight and then sign up for ESPN plus for the free seven day trial for tonight. And of course, Tommy so, would never actually use the streaming. Device I would never, never thing. use it. And I would never endorse the usage of it. But if you it's do pay hypothetical, yeah. but if I was to, and if I wasn't to pay seventy five dollars for a forty year old Filipino fighter, then I would probably um, use some other uh, platform. And so that I think that's a good way to transition good into forty year old Filipino fighter. Oh man, Manny Pacquiao, Adrian Broner. I'm um, actually really excited about the fight. If I'm going to be honest with you, so am I. I mean, Pacquiao's back on U.S. soil. Yep, he's back. he's finally made good with the IRS. And back uh, in Vegas, where the IRS yep. doesn't count. In a surprise move, uh, Manny Pacquiao left longtime promoter Bob Arum in top-ranked boxing and signed with PBC, and that opens up a whole new, um, a whole new, just opportunity of fights uh, against PBC fighters. And I think it's a good move for Pacquiao, and uh, I'm excited for this fight. Yeah, and going along the lines of uh, what I was kind of touching on in the UFC and watching people in spite or to watch them lose, um, Adrian Broner, perfect person to tune into to watch uh, lose a fight. Uh, yeah, what do, you, what do you know about Adrian Broner boxing-wise? I know you're a fan of boxing, but not maybe the um, most not in-depth hardcore fans. So. No, Uh I know Broner has a very accomplished track record of fighting and will push Pacquiao tonight and uh, considerably younger at only 29 years old. Um, but other than that, yeah, I don't know all the uh, all the ins and outs of the sweet science of Adrian Broner. Yeah, and so Broner, 29 years old, like you're saying, uh, he's kind of a, a crazy what-if story in boxing because – he was viewed i mean he, when he was being heavily promoted by hbo he was drawing so many comparisons to floyd mayweather even though that's so racist because um their their fighting styles are different i mean he does do that like little like, sh- he does try to do that like little shoulder roll that mayweather does doesn't he but just not as effective 
but the the styles of fighting are completely different. Like it's like saying just because somebody's got a good straight, uh, straight left that they're exactly like Manny Pacquiao, Conor McGregor, Manny Pacquiao, same style. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. So he drew a lot of comparisons to Floyd. There was a lot of hype on Broner early in his career. I mean, it, it's crazy to consider like what might have been when it comes to Adrian Broner's career. Because at 24 years old, he was an undefeated three-division champion at 24. Um, he's still, you know, at 29, he's a four-division champion. He's had a sm- smattering of losses against top-level competition. And... Yeah, you those know, are three people. good losses if you're going to have losses in boxing. Absolutely. I mean, very good fighters. Um, he only loses against the best opposition. And a lot of people wonder if he hadn't had the issues that he's had outside of the ring, um, if he hasn't had, if he had been maybe a little more disciplined, a little more motivated, um, what might have happened? Um, it, it's interesting to think about, but. The reality we live in is the reality with the fuck-up Adrian Broner. And um, his last two fights, he had a majority draw with Vargas and a loss to Mikey Garcia. Um, no shame in that Mikey Garcia loss. No, uh, no. Garcia's a beast, an animal. But uh, Broner's very durable, didn't get knocked out. That went to decision. But it's tough to think, you know, if, he'd, if his career had been managed a little bit better. He was a three-division champion and... Um, was lightweight champion and all of a sudden just decided to go to welterweight and skip super lightweight in between um fought in what many thought was a lackluster fight with Pauli Malinashi uh his career kind of went downhill from there um but if he had maybe stayed at super lightweight a little longer uh or stayed at lightweight a little longer moved up to super lightweight which is 140 um spent some time there solidified his skills and then moved up to welterweight who knows who knows what difference that would have made but that would require adrian broner to be somebody he's not so we have what we have on the other end of this fight is pacquiao his record is ridiculous 67 and 2 that's a lot 60 wins seven losses two draws and some bunch of fights bs cards in those losses as well yeah, two of, right. two of the seven losses were super B- BS. Um, Tim- Tim Timothy Bradley. Bradley is a big one. And Jeff then Jeff Horn. Horn was also bullshit. I mean, yeah. if you thought... It's okay if you thought that Jeff Horn won that fight, but you're wrong. Um, <laughs> it's okay for you to <laughs> think that. And it's not okay for you to think that Tim Bradley won any aspect of that no. first fight. Yeah, no. It, it's okay to think Bird. that Horn won. You're wrong, but... Um, it's definitely unforgivable sin to think that Tim Bradley won. <laughs> and I love Tim Bradley. I have no problem with Tim Bradley, but he didn't win that fight. Yeah. So that so that being said, the 40-year-old Pacquiao is actually on a four-fight win streak in reality, not in technicality, um, over Timothy Bradley, um, Vargas, Horn, and Matisse. Not a bad last four fights um, and victories for somebody who's mm-hmm. 40 years old. And he's back with Freddie Roach. Back with Freddie. Uh, the gang's he back together. Good in the f- he definitely back together. Uh, he looked good in his fight against Matisse, even though Matisse was pretty degraded at that point. Um, I'm excited. I think this is a great fight. I think it sets the winner up for other really good fights within the division. I'm 
I'm hoping that that winner is Pacquiao um, because I just think he's the better fighter at this point in both the fighters' careers. And uh, I think Pacquiao could help give legitimacy to some of the other PPC fighters in the stable, um, whether that be Keith Thurman, who I would like to see him fight next if he uh, if he wins this fight. And, and I don't know that that's a win guaranteed for Thurman either, but um, I would love to see that fight. And then uh, they're also talking about Errol Spence, which I would not like to see. But no, I don't want to see anybody I like or treasure go against Errol Spence. Yeah, that that dude's just a monster, and I feel like he's just... He's all wrong for us, baby. <laughs> yeah, remember? he has bad intentions. And over to the NBA, where I just wanted to touch on somebody who was once near and dear to my heart, being a Sacramento Kings fan, and still is near and dear to my heart, as a basketball player. Somebody who I love... Uh, just the way they play, their passion for the game. Vlade? No, but uh, similar. Another Sacramento Kings big man. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, Boogie. Made his, re- made his return to the NBA last night Triumphant. after suffering a terrible Achilles in- injury. Um, and he looked great. Uh, 15 minutes played, 14 points, 6 rebounds in those 15 minutes. So Boards. Uh, boards. Boards and points, and knocked down two threes. Uh, he is now officially a splash bro. And uh, yeah, it's crazy yeah. he was able to be so successful with such a lack of talent around him. Yeah, definitely. And um, you know, he d- he's always gotten a bad rap in the league about having a, like a poor attitude, and you know, he fouls out pretty frequently and stuff like that. But I don't know. I think that's just coaches who are trying to be dominating in the locker room um running up against somebody who's pretty passionate about the game so i don't know i love boogie i I love watching him play he's one of the most talented big men in the league and uh i'm glad to see that he is having good a good first game back from a pretty uh terrible injury yeah I i meant that sarcastically about the lack of talent around him Oh, sorry. I thought you meant in Sacramento <laughs> when you were no, re- referencing I, I, that. Yeah. I realized once I said that, I was like, oh, I think Mike might have thought at Sacramento. But no, when he moved west to Oakland. Um, yeah, super lack of talent. And uh, um, sar- the Warriors who are struggling, struggling in, um, <laughs> in the Western Conference. It's a real shame. They don't have any shooters. Have or, yeah. Um, just for clarification at home, folks. Yeah. But yeah, it's good to see. I didn't know you were a Boogie fan. Dude, I'm a huge Boogie fan. I love Boogie. Yeah. I think as a basketball fan, you have to like him. It's like management and like the upper higher-ups that don't like him for whatever reason. Yeah. He's a passionate dude. Passionate guy who speaks his mind, and that's what people don't like about him, really. So, I don't know. Some people yeah. think uh, players should just know their know their place and uh, yeah. shut up hey, and, shut up and dribble. basketball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Boogie's not going to do that. No, and uh, I'm not going to tell him to do it either. <laughs> I wouldn't tell him a single thing he doesn't want to hear. Yeah, and he looks in great shape. He's lost some weight, looks uh, looks thinner. Uh, was running the floor with the Warriors last night. Just, I don't know. All around good. Makes me feel good. I like it. Thanks for bringing that up. And they won and covered against the uh, Clippers, Clippers last night. 
Yeah. Playing great. One and oh with Boogie at center. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll track but, the, uh, the progress. Any other sports uh things you want to touch on? I've got one more, but uh I just want to see if you had anything. No, I'm good. Let's see what you got. Yeah. I uh, just want to give a shout out to Roger Federer. I mean, the man's Ooh. still doing the damn thing. At 37 he does not years get old. enough credit for his longevity. No, not at all. You know, if you look it, look at uh, so it's not an exact comparison, but similar. Um, him and Serena Williams are both 37 wow. years old. Uh, yeah, Roger Serena's Federer playing in, in the Aussie Open uh, Championship this morning, I think. Right. Yep. Both yeah. uh, both are so both are. Yeah, uh, Federer, thirty-seven years old, number three ranked tennis player in the world. Um, Serena also thirty-seven years old, but she's down at number sixteen. Um, and it's just incredible what he's been able to do longevity-wise. Like you're saying, um, he has twenty Grand Slam titles, which is the most of any tennis player, um, any male tennis player ever. Uh, the next. Next is Nadal at 17. Uh, Djokovic is at 14, tied with Sampras, who also has 14. So just incredible. He's uh, the reigning, defending uh, Australian Open champion. He won in 2017, 2018. So it'll be interesting to see if he can do it a third time and extend that record number to 21. Yeah, I think tennis doesn't always get... um think they might get a reputation of kind of being a softer sport and it's not as physically combative as a lot of other sports but there's still injury plagued around uh the high level competition of tennis with elbow injuries and shoulders ankles anything and um and like Andy Murray is I believe retiring this year and he's 31 years old and he's retiring due to injuries um so for Federer to be doing what he's been doing at such a high level for so long it really kind of goes unnoticed but like when you think about like when the if it's like the the Wimbledon or the French Open or not the French Open the uh, the Aussie Open or any like the big grand slams you almost always assume it's like all right well Federer's going to be in it who's he playing like Nadal or Djokovic but you always assume like Federer's going to be in it yeah, and that's like you're saying is it's not seen as physical, but just the torque that you put on your joints by doing such a weird kind of unnatural movement, it's it's an incredible amount of stress on your elbow, like you're saying, shoulders, and then just the lateral movement. If you think about, it, they're they're in an instant getting up to top speed, stopping, mm-hmm. and then changing on direction weird, on weird uh, clay grass. Uh, asphalt like it's not good surfaces to be doing that on in tennis shoes yeah and and so it is incredibly incredibly physically demanding sport they're playing year round (laughs) you know right there's not really an off season in tennis um yeah pretty incredible what he's done and um we're actually pretty lucky i'm not a huge tennis fan but i'll watch every once in a while um play i love wimbledon yeah and um, just we are very lucky to have the kind of three-way rivalry of Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic oh, yeah. um, during our time. It's, Definitely. it's incredible. It, arguably the three best tennis players in the, ever. Not in the world now, but ever. Um, right. And we get them in their prime all playing each other. Like mm-hmm. One, two, three. Three in, months. In men's Grand Slam tennis titles. One, two, three. Um, 
Federer, like I said, has 20 at the age of 37. Nadal at 32 has 17. So there can be an argument at the end of Nadal's career, however long that lasts, uh, if he surpasses Federer, that he was the better of the two. And then Djokovic at 31 is not far off with 14. So we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. They're all pretty likable dudes, too. Definitely. Definitely. Nadal with his one arm that's, like, way more jack than the other one. His and left arm. <laughs> and being so goddamn good on clay. Yeah, crazy on clay. Yeah. Which one's the clay one? Why do I always... is th- Oh, Roland Garros, the French Open. That's right. I can never keep those straight. Yeah. I love Wimbledon. and I, th- I think that's, like, June, July. Uh, so much fun to watch. Turn it yeah, on at, like, 6 a.m. In... in Tennis is such an intuitive sport, too. Like, there's no crazy rules or anything. You just, like, you understand what's happening, and anybody can enjoy just a back-and-forth uh, locked tennis match with mm-hmm. with any of these three. So, Shout-out. Yeah, big shout-out. Politically correct, diving into the tennis game. Diving into the tennis game, getting fancy. Um, definitely. Pinky's up. Speaking of pinkies up, well, not pinkies up, but just transitioning over out of the world of sports to other issues that are going on. I had you watch a commercial this morning. You um, did. That has gotten a lot of people pretty heated and pretty upset. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the Gillette Razor commercial um, that included the it, the best men can be is what it's titled as but it included the words toxic masculinity and that's got a lot of people up in arms their jimmies are definitely wrestled um (laughs) internet forums are getting very upset people are trying to burn their razors unsuccessfully um (laughs) you got to get it super hot yeah (laughs) it's a pretty high flashpoint so um your thoughts on the commercial tommy so to preface it, I hadn't seen it. I had read something like a headline about it earlier in the week about how people didn't like the commercial, but I didn't, I didn't I hadn't seen it and I didn't know what people were mad about. So I watched it and yeah, I mean, kind of, uh, it's just a sensitive subject, talk, toxic masculinity and boys will be boys, stuff like that. I mean, I didn't think it was the most controversial commercial of all time. And if you didn't, kind of warned me beforehand about it i i don't know i probably just moved on with my day but i'm curious to see i didn't read a whole lot about the or check into the forums or whatnot but uh can you inform me as to what particular thing uh we are all riled up about basically the people that are riled up are that way because they are taking taking this commercial as saying that all men are bad it's just that mentality where you can't criticize anything at all if somebody belongs to that group it's like it's the same sort of person that goes you know we should never question the actions of police officers under any circumstances um donald trump can't do anything wrong never question the military stuff like that like it's just people feel like it's a personal attack against them and they feel that they shouldn't be questioned at all um, that the, anything that is said negatively about one group applies to everybody in that group and applies 100% of the time. 
that that's how people are taking this commercial and and so it it's just it's insane first first i just want to say we shouldn't be getting this message from Gillette. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, you know what? Thank you for saying that, and I apologize for not saying that earlier. That is the one thing that I forgot to mention was that I have a hard time when, like, Walmart or McDonald's or, like, BP or Arco tries to tell me, like, how I should live my life and what morals I should have. So thank you for bringing that up because there are certain companies, organizations, slash most of them, that I don't need to be told what to believe in. So sorry for interrupting, but, yes, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, just please do me a favor, Gillette, and just shut the fuck up and sell razors. You make um, a great shave gel. Keep doing that. I don't need to hear anything else. Yeah, I mean, definitely not. I mean, shave soap is the way to go. Don't I'm fuck a gel around guy. with shave. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a gel guy. Foam. If you said foam, then yeah, that's pre-murder. I don't. I don't know what yeah, who invented no. the foam. That's like I don't know what, what people are doing over yeah, there. I don't know. That's puts you on a watch list if you're using foam. But shave gel is fantastic. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a strange scenario. I don't know. I think, I don't know, maybe people, there's a, there's a hot, like, white, foamy lather put on your face by another man. If you're into that, oh. you're into that, and that's cool. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you know, some people, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is there. I don't know people who are, like, want somebody else to shave them. I don't know what's going on there. Um, I would... I feel uncomfortable whenever anyone has sharp metal objects near my throat. I've never so, paid anybody uh, for that. Yeah, when you go in for like a haircut and they ask if you want like a, a beard trim or whatnot, I've never had anyone do that. Is that something yeah, I'm missing I'm, out on? I don't think so. I, I'm not. I feel like that's more I, of an old-timey thing anyways. Super old-timey. In, in, don't get me wrong. You know, I appreciate a nice, um, you know, aftershave and talcum powder after a, a haircut on the back of the neck just after they've trimmed everything up makes me feel refreshed mm-hmm. but i'm not trusting another human being with sharp metal objects near my money maker which is my face i mean i may yeah, have a well, voice for like radio but my face is definitely for tv <laughs> but um. <laughs> i've i've seen sweeney todd i know how it works you, you don't want you don't want that to happen to you not at all and there's just too high of uh, too high of a risk and what's the reward you know is is that enjoyable i guess for some i mean i can it's a thrill i can understand a nice shampoo at the uh, uh yeah the salon oh, with yeah. a nice scalp massage uh, oh yeah now we're talking yeah but uh definitely not a fan of an, of anybody shaving me man woman or otherwise uh so yeah, shut up, sh- sell razors and <laughs> shave gel. Get rid of the foam. Um, fuck off because you're owned by Procter and Gamble, who uh, donates primarily to pretty conservative Republican politicians. So you you are promoting one message in your commercial and then doing another with the actual money that you're making. Um, fuck off, Gillette. Like just i don't understand this move by you it seems like a pretty dumb move financially um i don't understand what's going on here uh that being said also fuck off after gillette yeah that being said also fuck off if you're offended by this commercial (laughs) so right (laughs) so pretty much telling everybody to fuck off i guess it's one of those mornings (laughs) 
So it's just, uh, yeah, everybody all around, fuck off. The people who are getting offended, you are the most likely person to use the word snowflake and cuck. And um, you I mean, cuck's are a good acting. Word. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're definitely acting like a snowflake right now. And so just go ahead, do me a favor, shut the fuck up, stop whining about a commercial. Um, if you don't realize that there are other men out there who are sexually harassing people or bullying people and um, you're getting upset by that, it's like it's like it's like if we were, you know, all standing around the water cooler, just Tommy. And then, uh, you know, you were like, hey, man, people who kill puppies, those sons of bitches are fucked up. They're just they're <laughs> not cool. And then all of a sudden I was like, hey, Tommy, whoa, 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 man. Like, cut it out with all the dissing on puppy killers and shit. Like, that doesn't make me a puppy killer. Wouldn't you get suspicious that maybe I was a puppy killer? <laughs> yes. And, and I'm so, glad I'll let you finish that one. And so I think I, I don't know how you're getting upset at this if you're not a person who doesn't do these things. Like, I, I don't know how you're automatically taking this commercial and ascribing it to your own, like, it's directed at you or pointed at you if you're not somebody who performs one of these actions on some, some sort of a level. That's uh, that's a great point. And so, this is going to seem kind of weird, but when I was watching this commercial, um, here at the Politically Correct, we like to blend genres and so it, i was watching this commercial the gillette commercial and for some reason this popped up into my head art bryles if you're not familiar was the head coach for the baylor university uh, football team for i want to say around like 10 years and very successful coached the heisman trophy winner and robert griffin the third they won a bunch of games had one of the most prolific innovative offenses in the country on the field off the field he was running one of the worst most despicable violence towards women cover up shady uh university athletic programs of all time and so i remember reading about because this had been going on for a couple years and i don't know how they got away with it for this long but in the aftermath one of um the uncoveries or whatever after the uh, program had been disciplined sanctioned they had said that Art Bryles had put up a sign in the locker room <laughs> and like on the field going out to the practice field that said, we respect women, like telling the players that we respect women. Like it's some innovative uh, new slogan that people should abide by. And I was, and it, it, it harpened on this uh, commercial where it's like, w why do we have to say these things? Why do you have to put up a sign that says we respect women why don't you just stop raping women and stop covering it up? Why the person who has to say that is the person who's undoubtedly doing the guilty act in itself. So in a weird way, that's the parallel that I drew that kind of a far fetched, strong parallel. But that's one of the things that I thought of when I was watching this commercial. Yeah. I, and I think, I think that tends to be the case. A lot of the time people who have these strong reactions or people who are, harping on these issues like sometimes it's because of a sense of guilt that's or projecting you know people project all the time you know they they gaslight they project they put um like somebody who's cheating a lot of times is going to be yes. super suspicious and super controlling paranoid. of their significant other and it's just they're putting 
they're 100%. taking their own internal emotions and feelings and projecting them onto something else. Right. Uh, so just I to clarify, know. so that sign, it wasn't we respect women, it's real men respect women was the sign that <laughs> our Brylos had up on the practice field at oh, Baylor. This is a perfect transition. So yeah, real men respect women, sure, whatever, <laughs> but th- that's another thing that pisses me off and gets me super upset is because I'm a snowflake and I get super snowflakey sometimes. Snowflake cuck. Um, yeah, definitely. Super snow, <laughs> snow cuck. Yeah, there you cuck go. Flake. You're a hybrid. There you a go. Cuck flake. Biracial. Um, yeah. And my dog is currently like annoying me and trying to climb on my lap, which is super cute, but not conducive to podcasting. Um, yeah. Shout out Houdini. So real, real men, real women. And that brings me to the subject of toxic masculinity. I feel like (laughs) (laughs) that term irks me. So it doesn't irk me in the sense that um, it irks me depending upon who's using it. Right. Um, So the people who are using the term toxic masculinity pretty consistently are also the people who are going to tell you that there is no, there are no, traits that are um, more likely to occur in certain genders and sexes and that everything is a societal construct and that, um, you know, men should be able to, uh, men should be able to express themselves in whatever way they see fit and should not be labeled as not real men um, if they're not, if they don't fit the stereotypical mold of masculinity. But then at the same time, they're using a stereotypical idea, the idea of toxic masculinity, and applying it to a group as a whole, which is in then termed stereotyping. Am I making that clear? Does that? Yeah, I'm following you. I'm tracking. So, like, it's it's, it's kind of hypocritical and it's kind of talking out of the side of your mouth um, because, in one hand, you're saying, hey, there is no real man, there is no real woman. Um, regardless of personal life choices, regardless of biological sex, regardless of any of these other things. But at the same time, if you're a man, we're going to label toxic masculinity and just like conform it all over there. Where, Whereas like by labeling these traits as toxic masculinity, you're also saying that these traits are inherently male and that other people can't express these traits. It's just... It doesn't make sense to me, um, and I don't care if you label things as toxic masculinity if you're like, oh, no, men are inherently more likely to do these certain things, but just because they're more likely to do these certain things doesn't mean that all men do these things and everybody's individual and can express their things. And But, but that's <sighs> – it's just – it doesn't make sense to me, and it just like – it seems like they're – saying two different things that are in conflict with each other and saying that they're both true. Um, Because I think they're just toxic personality traits and men tend to have certain personality traits more often than women just because we have a shit ton of testosterone running through our veins and because society pushes us in certain directions and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that other people can't have those traits. Does that can make I, sense? Yeah. Am can I, I rambling? No, I wanted to see if 
um, can I throw out an example of toxic masculinity versus non-toxic yeah. masculinity? Just uh-huh. to see if we're on the same page. So working out, let's say you go to the gym and you're at your local LA Fitness 24-hour, whatever you go to. I don't think the action of working out is is toxic or masculine or anything. I think anybody has the right to work out. But there are people that go to the gym and they will create their whole – they will set up this entire camp in a public area. They will be loud. They will just throw around weights. They will not rack any of their weights. They will just be completely – uh, ignorant and oblivious and ostentatious to everyone around them. I think that person is toxic to society. I don't know if that's toxic masculinity, but is that kind of along the same lines? Because you can go and, and work out and be re- respectful to people around you and get your workout in and work hard, or you can go and just be a complete D-bag to everybody around you and treat everyone disrespectfully around you, treat the employees disrespectfully and, and treat the equipment disrespectfully. Exactly, and in that it's going to carry into another point I want to make, but it's just even the so what's what's considered traditionally masculine traits and characteristics, right? Um, being competitive is being dominant, aggressive, um, and you know another thing that was marked as stoic. Yes, stoicism in the in the terms it's used here is like suppressing emotions and not dealing with them and just acting in a cold calculated logical manner so these traits are are viewed as part of toxic masculinity and so one of the articles i've seen um posted also linked an american psychological association um piece where they they publish guidelines for psychological practice with boys and men and it was summarized in this um in this piece that the main thrust of the subsequent research is that traditional masculinity marked by stoicism, competitive competitiveness, dominance, and aggression is on the whole harmful. Right? So your thoughts on that, first of all, just like on, on that. Can you repeat statement. that? Yeah. The main thrust of the subsequent research is that traditional masculinity marked by stoicism, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression, is on the whole harmful? Uh, I wouldn't say it's harmful. I don't think any one of those is inherently harmful. I think the people who carry out the actions can be harmful. Uh, But no, I don't think competitiveness is necessarily negative. What were the other attributes? Competitiveness, stoicism, dominance, and aggression. Uh, I don't have a problem with stoicism. Big ups to Marcus Aurelius. Uh, aggression depends on how it's applied and what the use is for, but sometimes diplomacy fails and aggression must be used, I guess. Yeah. And so I agree with all that you're saying. And that's, that's the point kind of like that I wanted to make that these, these traits are not inherently negative or positive. It's the use of these traits that can be negative or positive you can be aggressive, but be aggressive in the protection of another human being, and right. that is a positive outcome. You can be, you know, competitive in a way that you want to better yourself and others around you, and that can be positive. You can be dominant in a situation where 
other people are not taking charge and somebody needs to step up and be a leader and that can be a positive it we just have these we've devolved into a place where because the the results of some of these um, character traits when played out by certain individuals has been super negative um, that we just throw the baby out with the bathwater and just say that behavior is completely negative and I think that's a I think that's dangerous because that you're telling people that something that is within them that that can be used for good is inherently wrong and evil yeah and so I, I think that can cause a lot of internal internal strife with someone if they feel these characteristics and feel like they're inherently bad or wrong and aren't given the context of no, 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 this, this characteristic, you're, you're competitive, you're aggressive, that's good in these scenarios. But in these other scenarios, you, you need to kind of like put that aside and kind of like tap into something else, tap into other emotions, tap into other, other characteristics and traits that you have. Stoicism is good when you are making logical decisions about who is going to live and die, whether that be in a military environment, on the fire ground, in EMS calls as a doctor, um, that sort of thing. It's it's not so great when you're talking about dealing with the complex emotions of your partner in your your romantic relationship. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And so I I feel like we're giving the wrong message by just labeling things as toxic masculinity, toxic traits. There are certain actions that are definitely evil in like 99.9, if not 100% of the contract, con, uh, context situations. Um, rape, wrong all the time. Yes. All the time, rape's wrong. There's not a situation where that's cool or where you can be flexible on that. Murder, 99.9% of the time. Bad. is wrong yeah there 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 are very few situations in which that can be justified um but there not everything is rape and murder you know what i'm saying like like it's a lot of gray areas a lot of more complicated situations that aren't as cut and dry exactly exactly and so i don't know i think we just need to promote that your actions and how you use these certain traits is what's most important. Um, and that no matter what inherent, um, or not inherent, but no matter what character traits you have that make up the person that you are as a whole, that given the right tools, given the right context, given the right coaching, given the right education, you can use those, things that are inside you those things that make up who you are as a person and you can do net good net positive with those things and we need to stop having these ideas of real men and real women because then it makes other people feel invalidated if they don't if they're not super into sports if they're not into working out if they like other things like say in the stereotypical but just like if you're in anime and if you're into 
just like building computers or music or art or anything like that, like your view does not like a real man. And we just need to get rid of that real man label. We need to get rid of the real woman label. We need to deal with people as individuals. And we need to praise people for various character traits that they hold that are positive to themselves and to others, regardless of whether or not they're labeled a man, woman, or anything else. Couldn't agree more. Well said. And that's just my rant on the whole situation. That being said, I will. I do want to give the American Psychological Association a little credit because the majority of articles that I read only said the negative things they said where they ended the article or the, the publication with by saying supporting the positive, saying that getting that message out to men that they are adaptable, emotional, and capable of engaging fully outside of rigid norms. And, and they encouraged taking some of those traits and using them in a positive manner. But that is only – you would only get that if you not only clicked on the article but then clicked on the source – and then clicked on the the publication itself. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah. You had to dig for you're it. so many steps removed from that, and I I had seen it distorted by both the Washington Post, by Fox News, by a number of different um, journalistic entities on varying ranges of the political spectrum, and none of them portrayed it accurately. <laughs> in, in, and that goes into an issue that we'll get into in a little bit here as well about journalistic integrity and, you know, being skeptical of things that are published and and thinking in the, your own logical way and evaluating evidence on its merits. But d- any other things that you wanted to say on Gillette, on toxic masculinity, on male traits, real men, real no. women, stuff like that? I'm good. I think you uh, wrapped that up nicely. I'm glad we covered it. Yeah, and and I also do want to say that society, in its current form, puts expectations on men, and men do it most often to other men, and, and men are alienating other men the most. I would say, probably, at least in my personal experience, um, some of the things that they listed in here that men who had strong belief in masculinity, and this is from the American Psychological Association Guidelines for Psychological Practice with Boys and Men, um, they're less likely to get preventative health care because that's seen as, like, weakness. And I, I know people who do this, and I've done it myself at times, and it is because you're, like, you want to you want to believe that you're like strong and invincible and stuff like that. And you can't be vulnerable, but it's just dumb (laughs) and like more likely to engage in heavy drinking tobacco use and avoiding vegetables because vegetables aren't seen as manly. Right. (laughs) When I was living in Italy, um, I would go out to eat with some of my like players and, and their significant others. And, uh, we would go out to a restaurant and I would get like a salad on the side you know, on, on top of like the main entree and they would always get like fries or some like carb loaded something. And they would always make fun of me for, for getting the salad. And like in the translation, it was like, I was being feminine. Like the ladies eat the salad and the men eat the French fries. I'm like, and they would correlate that with them getting stronger by eating the French fries. And uh, I don't know what the, how much nutritional background these players had, but it's like, you're not, 
you're not gaining anything by eating that. And I'm not like patting myself on the back for ordering a salad or anything, but like you're literally not helping yourself out or getting stronger. You're just getting fatter and you might be getting physically bigger, but that doesn't mean you're getting stronger. So I think there are a lot of misunderstandings of what defines masculinity and or feminine being feminine or whatever. Uh, along the same line, I like to like pride myself on being like pretty independent and like that includes like cooking and cleaning and doing my laundry and stuff. Whereas I think a lot of men are like, no, nah, I'm not supposed to do that. That's what the woman's for. She, she, she cooks the she meals and does all the laundry. And like, isn't that like completely against what you believe in masculinity? Isn't masculinity being independent and being able to provide for yourself and others? If you can't literally cook and eat, for yourself and like maintain basic human necessities doesn't that make you inferior and doesn't in your words feminine so i think like you you touched upon that we men do mislabel other men for their traits or beliefs or what they do on a daily basis so we do kind of harm ourselves in that manner uh so that's my mini rant on that in in that can manifest itself in much more harmful ways than just not not like and that's a great example but like it can manifest itself much more harmful ways than like just like not doing cleaning not eating vegetables in in some of the stats they cited is men are more negative about seeking mental health services Mm -hmm. because it's seen as weakness if you go to a you're you're seen as being emotional you're seen as being, and for some reason, that's seen as a negative. Everybody has emotions. You know, uncontrolled emotions, un, unprocessed emotions. There, there are places and times where that's inevitable, you know, and that happens to everybody. And sometimes you need help with that. And that is not a weakness thing. That is not a man or a woman thing inherently. It's, it's, it's a human thing. And I feel like so many more people would benefit from receiving mental help and engaging in mental health services, whether that be through talk therapy or or just even expressing their emotions to another human being who's close to them, who can give them feedback and either validation of what they're going through and feeling so they don't feel so alone or, or even advice. And so many people don't do that. They just bottle it up and they keep it inside and it eats them alive from the inside. Right. And the career that you're in and the career that I'm trying to get into, I think is doing a better job nowadays of allowing their members to seek outside support for traumatic incidents and seeking therapy. Whereas it was once seen as a weakness and you were supposed to just bottle it up and figure it out and don't let it bother you. But it's like we're human you see things and do things that you're not supposed to see, but you see them anyways on a daily basis. So if you don't seek a healthy outlet, then it can manifest into suicide, alcohol, substance abuse, anything like that. So I'm glad that there are certain aspects of our society that are encouraging people to seek help and not see it as a weakness. 100%. And to go along with that, the, another thing that they cited is men are 3.5 times more likely to die by suicide. And men commit 90% of homicides in the U.S. and represent 77% of homicide victims. So obviously there is a – there are aspects that need to be addressed within men. You know, the group that is defined as men in the United States. 
obviously there are things that need to be addressed and things that can be improved on, but I think part of getting there is not having these ideas of how men should be, how women should be. We should just evaluate individual qualities based upon whether or not they're a net positive or benefit. And we shouldn't have these expectations of what a man is supposed to do or what a woman is supposed to do, but what a whole functioning productive member of society can look like and and paint that as a very broad spectrum that that covers everything and have it be acceptable for anybody to fall within any of those any combination of those unique traits i don't know it just pisses me off that people tell people how they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to live and make them feel like outsiders or freaks or less than because they don't fall within that parameter as long as you are not hurting yourself or anyone else and even hurting yourself i that that's something that i have mixed opinions on like i don't i'm not even saying you can't hurt yourself um because i don't think that's my right to be able to tell you to do that but as long as you're not hurting any, anybody else, putting out anybody else in any danger or bringing down society or your community as a whole, like you should be able to fall within that wherever you want to on that scale. Yep, I agree. But if you are hurting yourself, I hope you seek treatment or do whatever you think you can to, to get out of that. Absolutely. Because sometimes it's just perspective. Sometimes it's if you have the help, you wouldn't be in the same position you are. And, and I I don't encourage self harm. I'm just saying that if somebody has no, I I know what you're saying, and I I'm yeah, I think you worded that perfectly. Yeah, I believe individuals should have sovereignty over their own lives, and if they have exhausted resources to overcome whatever it is they're dealing with, whether it be a chronic disease, chronic pain or just suffering in their life in general, then if if they deem it as necessary, they should be able to do what they want with their life. And I shouldn't I shouldn't be able to say differently. Um, Are you telling me the government shouldn't tell women what to do with their bodies? I'm telling I'm telling you the government shouldn't tell anybody what to do with their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Whether that be you know, ending your life because you've had terminal cancer. Whether that be your woman and you know, you want to control your reproductive rights. Like yep. I, nobody should be able to to have sovereignty over somebody else's body. Sovereignty? Did I use that right? Is that a word? Um, I'll give it no, to you. Crazy. Uh, you get one point five SAT words for that. Getting crazy with the words. Supreme power, authority. I did use that correctly. Wow, yes. incredible, incredible. Um, hey, unrelated, I, I don't know if we're done with that or not. Yeah, we're pretty much done with that. Go ahead. Um, as a citizen of the United States of America and a 27-year-old male, do I need to see Bird Box, and why do I keep hearing about it? As someone who has seen Bird Box, um, at least half of it, no, you don't need to see Bird Box. <laughs> wow. Oh man! I came home one day, and my wife was watching Bird Box, and I, I sat down and, and watched the rest of it. While it is in it, it's it's an okay movie. Do I'm, you need to see it? Absolutely. I not. think I'm gonna be kind of woke on Bird Box, 
why what's the underlying i gotta believe there's some bigger higher power at play here because of just how frequent i saw advertisement for it and everyone was talking about it i gotta believe somebody was doing something for their own agenda with bird box what is it what are they what agenda are they trying to push on me and everybody else who saw it i don't think there's an agenda you sure there's gotta be yeah i didn't i didn't get any agenda from it how are we getting this hyped up over a sandra bullock movie the power of Netflix, man. The almighty Netflix. So I don't you're know. A, you're I don't, a slave to Netflix. I don't get why this was so popular. I don't get right. why so many people were talking That's about it. That's why you it. need to look into this, it. There's got to be something this there. Exact, this exact same movie was made about a year ago. I, okay, that's why we need to look into it. I'm reading it between the lines here. There's something going on. There's some weird images that you didn't even realize you were looking at that you saw that was probably some advertisement for a new GMC uh, truck or something. Yeah, I don't know. Look into it. All I'm saying uh, is look into it. <laughs> Edgy bra. No, I'm telling um, you to look into it. I never saw it, so I'm not I'm not plagued, uh, poisoned like you are. <laughs> I don't have the disease yet. That must be it. Yeah, that must be it. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't uh, what know. movie I, did they I pick up? What movie? Underlying message. What movie are you comparing it to? Uh, what's his name from The Office? John Krasinski is it? Uh, Jim yeah. from The Office. And then, Thirteen uh, Hours. Emily Benghazi. Blunt. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exact same movie. See. Um, no. It's emails. <laughs> trying to. No. Um, trying to throw it, overthrow it was, Gaddafi. Uh, quiet. A quiet place. So it was very similar. So the premise, spoiler alert for e- either of these movies, um, Sandra Bullock, there's uh, in Bird Box, Sandra Bullock, um, they're these monsters, aliens. It's not really clear. It's not really made clear to us what they are. So the Stranger Things thing. Yeah, if you see them, your mind is then like kind of hijacked by them and you may commit violence against other people. You may kill yourself or you may just like try to get other people to look at the thing. Um, so the, in order to prevent that, she puts a blindfold on, she goes through her life with this blindfold and tries to make it to the sanctuary place where she can be safe from these monsters. Um, I am legend. The, a quiet place is the exact same movie, but instead of, um, looking at them, it's making noise. So they hear you. There are monsters everywhere. Uh, And if you make too much noise, they hear you. So they go about yeah, one's they audio, go about their life. Visual. Yeah, they mm. go about their life communicating via hand signals, uh, sign language, oh. and like a third not base wearing coach. shoes. <laughs> yeah, so like a hippie third base coach. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I don't get this why like this movie was so much more popular than the other movie. I don't get why. I, I j- I'm just saying you should look into I'm it because. If you can't figure it out, but like everybody everywhere was talking about it, allegedly the biggest Netflix movie of all time, but no one can figure out why. I'm just saying, it sounds a little sketch to me. It definitely does. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> Weird. Um, something you should be watching as a 27 year old male is. Uh, the new season of True Detective. If you're not watching that, you're missing. Well, so I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to bring it up at some point. Um, I am probably the biggest True Detective fan in my state, I would say, at least. 
<laughs> maybe west of the Mississippi. Season one, life changing, amazing, fantastic. Not enough adjectives in the in the English dictionary to describe it. Not that I'm aware of, at least. Season two, I think I've spoken about this on the podcast before. People compared season two to season one, and obviously it didn't live up to the hype, but you got to realize different characters, different stories. Season two was okay, in my opinion. A lot of people hated it, whatever. Now, for season three, I love... I haven't I haven't started watching it yet. I'm getting there. I love the, the cast. I love the storyline from what I've read. But it requires such an emotional investment on my behalf. I feel like I can't quite give it the attention it deserves yet, so I'm holding out until I'm more able and willing to give it my all here's the thing that i would argue against that right now the episodes are coming out week by week understood so, so if you don't have the whole season to watch all at once you you're not devoting that much time to it on a weekly basis whereas once the season's all the way out you're gonna binge it right I mean, but you're gonna try you're gonna try not to binge it but, but you're gonna th- binge it i understand but the thing is i'll watch if i was to watch it week by week i'd watch it sunday night and then I would go on weird, dark internet forums and read way too much about <laughs> it and create these invisible plot lines that don't exist. And, like, the director and writer are like, what are you guys talking about? Like, there's you're not reading. Like, that's not what we had at all. So I would make it bigger than it needed to be. So it would almost be better if I just ripped the bandit off and watched all eight or so episodes at once. I'm a weirdo. I'll, I'll admit it. I'm just that's my thought on it and I I respect the show enough that I want it when I watch it it's like I'm fully involved there's nothing else going on phones in a different room like that's the type of commitment I give it I respect that yeah I completely and totally respect so have you did you watch the first episode yeah I've watched the first two um, oh there's already two out not out yet yep okay um, fantastic acting yeah. has been incredible so cool far. i'm excited um i like I, the plot line and i agree with you on season one like i i think i am the biggest uh true detective fan in my state uh season <laughs> one i i literally uh i watch youtube videos up. of rust cole like almost weekly <laughs> so don't don't dun- jump to any conclusions about how big of a fan you are until you've heard me out you haven't seen my closet, which has a shrine dedicated. Oh, that's spooky. To, to uh, Carcosa. Time is a circle. Yeah, um, yeah. You just have empty uh, Lone Star bottles in there. <laughs> I drank Lone Star solely because of that show. And it, let me tell you, it's not easy to find in Seattle, Washington. You got to go to BevMo, yeah. which is really hard to find. It was all over the place in Texas, dude. All I bet. Oh, it's probably like Rainier but. down in Texas. It's not bad cheap light beer no, it's not bad it's not bad not bad drink it out not of a bad. bottle don't drink it out of a can bottle yeah definitely out of a bottle um but this was brought up at work and one of my co-workers uh said they hadn't seen it they're like should i watch it and i said true detective season one is probably the greatest single season of any show yep. ever yeah and that's what i said that's I what said, i said the like I, he said, he said, really? And I was like, yes. I said that. Yes. I said this had the same conversation with my lady the other day because she has she only saw season two. Go figure. This is before I met her. Otherwise, I would not let that type of behavior occur. <laughs> not to be toxic or anything, but if you're gonna watch, not to be dominating, <laughs> right? She would have backtracked all that progress we just made, Tommy. <laughs> but I would have strongly encouraged her to watch season first and then watch season two. But not that it's linear, but I just based on principle. And uh, 
so anyways yeah i was i was telling her my affinity for it and uh you gotta go season one season two and i was like it's probably the single greatest like you said season of all time and then i was like well band of brothers in the pacific might have something to say but i think i might stick by get out of here i might stick by my true detective season one the night of was also fantastic as well. It was, yeah. No, that's a valid point, but still go. Those it. were the ones that were like in the running. If I was mm-hmm. to to make a little list, here's the reason why I give the night. Well, the night of was kind of based on true events. This was very loosely based on true events. So I give the upper hand to whichever season had to come up with the plot and storyline out of nothingness. You I didn't know, know either saying? one of them had true events attached to it. This one is extremely loosely like True Detective season yeah. one, extremely loosely. I mean, based I'm on, um, I'm afraid of, there's some parts of Louisiana that I'm afraid to go to for sure. <laughs> the whole thing. Well, <laughs> just don't veer too far. Have you from seen Tom Segura's? Uh, oh my gosh! Oh, he did, he lost a lot of fans in the state of Louisiana. <laughs> Holy moly! It he, was so funny. He got though. some pushback. Yeah, I mean it's comedy, so you gotta. I mean, if you're gonna watch it, you gotta understand it's a joke but maybe not a joke actually <laughs> him defending himself the, on like conan was uh, uh, awesome too oh so good tommy buns shout out does it again so the yeah, night of was but, also uh loosely based on something yeah that was based on uh an npr based podcast serial um one of the seasons was about pretty much the exact same storyline um so so that 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 was probably so band of brothers obviously most closely based on yeah um, that was actually his book uh, night of and then like way 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 down the line is uh true detective because it's not even it's just very very loose yeah um, but no fantastic show watch it if cool. you have access to HBO Go and you're out there listening and you're like, oh, I'm looking for something to watch. If you haven't seen True Detective Season 1, start with that, obviously. Skip Season 3 and go straight to – or no, Season 2. Skip two. Go straight – yeah. See, I, skip 2, go to 3. I wouldn't even say then, skip Season 2. I'm just pri- prioritizing. I'm saying, oh, okay, I uh, saying. If, if you have time, circle back gotcha. Season 2. But Cause it's, it's not a priority. Some of those Vince Vaughn – quotes and like conversations that he had were so i don't say bad but they were so out there that i was like blown away by how i just couldn't stop watching him it was like vince vaughn was i will say that he was the like his performance in that that season was phenomenal (laughs) so Um, good but like in a weird everything else didn't really live up to it but vince vaughn man oh killed it like you've like you've never seen him as an actor underrated like never seen him well he does so many like goofy roles that it sometimes people I can't take like him people, seriously yeah. right yeah. but watch season two it's it's something there's that john travolta movie where he's the like evil stepdad have you seen that no but i could picture vince vaughn being a pretty scary bad guy oh he's good he he's yeah. underrated completely underrated which yeah. is hard to do since he's like seven feet eight he's a he's tall. six foot seven foot eight foot hut yep big guy <laughs> Yep. All state high school quarterback, I think, according to Wedding Crashers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Crab cakes and football. That's Ma- what Maryland does. Max preps uh, Wedding Crashers. What else? Day 29? Day 29. Government shutdown? Um, 
Yeah. yeah. I don't want to uh, get negative here, but I do want to touch on the fact that there are, um, our current president announced that we had defeated ISIS in Syria. Um, this is not new news, obviously. Um, and then this past week, there was a suicide bombing in Syria that killed four Americans, two service members. And I'm not going to draw a direct correlation between our current commander-in-chief stating that we had defeated an ideology in Syria to this bombing that took two service members and four U.S. citizens. But I'm going to make that correlation and say that our president had a hand in killing four of our citizens, two service members in Syria this last week. Yeah, um... Not a good look, I guess you could say. Um, We don't have a good track record of our president saying we defeated an ideology. I just... It almost doesn't get a reaction from me anymore. uh, Which is sad. I've I've been so desensitized. Yeah, which is really, really bad. what's happening. Yeah, and so... I just, I'm at a loss. I don't know what to say about right. it. I don't know. Not a whole um, lot to say. I don't know what to, what's the right move as far as Syria goes and as far as Afghanistan goes, whether or not to to stand or withdraw. I tend to lean towards withdraw, but that's just because of my own biases and beliefs and worldview. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the right thing so is. So this story didn't get a whole lot of uh, coverage, believe it or not the the suicide bombing because I feel like we don't always keep track of what's going on outside of our own borders and four people four American citizens are not coming home alive because of a statement that our president made yeah I and mean, that's sad and that's terrible would this bombing have happened if he didn't say it maybe still but maybe not, or maybe not this location, maybe not at the extent, I don't know. But why say that? I don't know. I, I really what don't know. Cause it obviously, just, for his own personal... It seems like you're sticking a stick in the beehive. Right, you're poking it, and it's a very active beehive, whether you believe it or not. Yeah. He's just so egotistical and just out of his mind oh my not to uh yes so before i move on to that we'll give this the respect it deserves yes very sad um possibly directly related to this the absent-minded uh words of someone who's supposed to be pro-military not only pro-military but supposed to be the best that we have to offer that's that's what the president represents right the president of the United States is supposed to be a representation of the of the super American, right? The, the the best that the United States of America has to offer. This is what we have come up with, and this is what we're putting forward. And the fact that it's Donald Trump, it, it's mind-blowing. He had to say that right. to boost his ego, like you said, to reinforce his dominance as a He's a great leader, and he directly got two members of the military killed, who will be coming back 
through Dover Air Force Base in Delaware and laid to rest. But but so this is direct parallel to I think the people that voted for him and the people that want him in office because just like it's it's projecting we're projecting what we want what we see in ourselves what we want to be in office so the people that voted for him are probably the same and i'm stereotyping here obviously not everybody who voted for him is this way some people had very strategic reasons for voting for him but a lot of people who voted for him voted for him because they like how he acts because they see it in themselves and they're like that's how i would run things if i was in office and those are the same people that are running their mouths at a bar about Ronda Rousey and about how they could beat her ass. And if Ronda Rousey was in that bar, they would get rearranged. Rearranged. Um, but, so, you know, the the president's just some some dumb, bumbling idiot running his mouth at the bar. That's, that's basically who we have running our country. And I don't know how somebody can view that and see it as a positive. Now, there's some insane people who believe he is secretly playing... Um, some sort of long game, some actions behind the scenes because he's the master of the art of the deal and he's, he has all these strategies and tactics where you think he's doing this, but really he's doing that. No. It's madness. It, you're insane and you're trying so hard to bend the rules of reality to fit the narrative that you have in your own head that it is, it might be mental illness. But, you know, what what separates any very strongly held ideological ideological position from from real mental illness, especially if it bends reality to fit it? That sounds like the definition. Yeah. So um, please don't go to church anymore. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But seriously, you're not Um, you're not kidding, actually. We had, we had a whole podcast about this. You're not kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't have to hide that anymore. It's out in the open. Yeah, yeah, it's out. It's out. It's, it's, out it's not even in the cloud. Uh-huh. It's out there. That <laughs> one. That there. one's not in the cloud. That one's out there. Yeah, I'm glad some of the others stayed in the cloud. Um, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just if we're going to operate in the universe we have to base it upon what we know and believe to be true and in order to find out what is true we have to have logical syst- systematic stoic ways stoic throwing that out there um yeah of, you're a big stoic of guy. analyzing it and coming to conclusions and we can't ignore evidence in order to we we can't come up with the conclusion and then warp all the evidence to fit it we have to look at the evidence analyze it and then come to a conclusion but it seems like so many people reverse engineer it they're they're reverse engineering evidence (laughs) you think we should withdraw from afghanistan i think i think that our actions overseas have not been successful i think our actions overseas have been a very strong um factor for the recruitment of additional individuals to participate in these extremely harmful groups is it the best thing 
for us to withdraw? I don't know. What I do know is that we have tried the other way, and it doesn't appear to be working very well. What about so? S- I would like to. Tr- I would like to try something different. Withdraw from Syria as well. I'm not as educated as I should be on this topic, so I can't 100% say. But the things that make Syria a little different are our allegiance to other. Well, well not our allegiance to other, but the fact that there are other. There are other global entities True. like Russia and Tur- Turkey that Turkey. are involved in Syria. Iran. And that if if we leave it there are other it's dominoes that will that, fall. Yeah, well not other dominoes that will fall, but that that we're leaving it in in malevolent hands. You know, like it's not just it's not just doing its own thing and it has to deal with that internally. It's there are external forces that are working there too. And we may need to mitigate those external forces. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the best answer is. I, I'm. It's, it's me seeing one puzzle piece and telling you what the entire 10,000 piece puzzle looks like, you know? Right. And, and maybe that's, and, and that's what we enjoy doing here because, like, you know, that's what everybody enjoys doing is just throwing out their opinions on stuff. But I just think that we we need to give something else a try. And I, I feel like it would be hard for these groups to recruit if we weren't consistently um, killing civilians in the countries in which they're trying to recruit. I think that's one of the biggest driving factors for recruitment, hands down. Because even it's it's not just a faith driven thing because there are members of the faith that that don't endorse or support these groups. It, I think it's also circumstantial as well. Um, and you know if if I'm somewhere and my family members and friends get killed in a drone attack while they're at a wedding, and none of them were involved with this group at all. I'm going to view the entity that carried out that drone attack as evil. And I'm going to want to get revenge against that entity. So if I look around my environment, who's giving me that opportunity? It's it's only those extremist groups. So my only opportunity for retribution is joining up and aligning my interests with those extremist groups. But if that never happened to me in the first place, then maybe I wouldn't, most likely, that person wouldn't do that. I don't know. Has our current president traveled abroad to see any of our troops that are deployed? I believe so. It has not been very... No, no, no. He hasn't traveled to war zones. Right. Not once. He has traveled... He has traveled to other countries to visit troops. Yeah, I don't mean like Germany. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't mean France. I mean... Yeah, that's a semantics thing, because technically, anytime you're overseas and not at the base you're assigned to... Sorry, you're right. I I mean in a combat... Yeah, Yeah, no, he's never been to a combat zone. zone. And he stopped... stopped, uh, Nancy Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi. that's what I was getting to. Not only is he not... (laughs) 
he's stopping Nancy Pelosi from going. Yeah. In in a power move, basically. Which I mean, are the troops going to benefit from seeing Nancy Pelosi? Is it a morale no. booster? If I saw Nancy, well, I can't. I've never been in that situation. But if Nancy Pelosi came over, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how big of a morale booster that would be. Yeah. I mean, you send somebody else over, maybe it's a morale booster. Yeah. Send Metallica, and maybe let them play Enter Sandman. Yeah, on an airstrip like they did in Moscow. That would be cool. Yeah, we send, uh, you know, some sort of. Who we used to send? Bob Hope was he the original USO guy? Bob Hope. Um, send him send, over, or the send Tommy Buns over there. Send Tommy. Let him do a ninety-minute set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe they sneak in some yeah. contraband contraband liquids. Have a little party. Yeah. Liquids, Pur- solids, whatever. Whatever um. you want. <laughs> Powders. If you're deployed, <laughs> I'll be damned if I tell you what you can do. <laughs> I, I certainly won't do it. I will smuggle whatever I can to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Nancy Pelosi. And now I'm I mean, being probably tracked. doesn't do much for anyone. So <laughs> yeah, no. exactly. Now we're being recorded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's silly power move. Um, obviously, in response to her saying that he should reschedule the State of the Union or deliver it in writing. Um, many people thought that was a silly power move, but I didn't know that there's somewhat of a precedent. Um, since 1977, a State of the Union has not been delivered during a government shutdown. So Ooh. it's kind of it's kind of procedure and protocol to, to forego that when a government shutdown is in effect. So I thought I thought she was just kind of being... Um, not snide, um, childish in, in making that statement, but I, I guess it's been procedure. Should it be procedure? I don't know. Um, does it, it's possible that, uh, put, putting on that state of the union would require government employees to, to work, to incur extra work without pay. If that's the case, then no, no state of the union. Definitely shouldn't take place. Yeah, but if Unless if Trump they hire an out, backs it. Yeah, exactly. So, something else Trump recently personally or personally financed, and I'm sure you saw this. Uh, while the White House cooking staff was on <laughs> a temporary furlough, hopefully temporary furlough, he catered. A meal for the Clemson Tigers. Did you see this? I did. I did. Sometimes I feel like we're not living in reality. We might not be. And Well, it's all reality, I guess. But sometimes I feel like we might be inside a simulation because things are so ridiculous. And this is definitely one of those times. It is. I will say, if I was an 18 to 22-year-old college student again... I might not hate that amount of free McDonald's in front of me. Now, the setting and the scenario and the situation wouldn't dictate that meal, but I will say free McDonald's isn't the worst thing that could be presented to you. 
I agree and disagree at the same time. <laughs> I, I I prefaced it with the setting, the president, White House, White House China, not White House China, the country, White House like the cutlery and the spoons, plates, stuff like that. But he, His, history. But here's why I just. Here's what I disagree as well, because as an 18 to 19 year old, I knew the value of a good steak. You know, and I would rather, even at 18 to 19 years old, I'd rather have a nice, well marbled <laughs> piece of wagyu rather than burgers. Agree to disagree. How dare you? How dare I, you? Or at least make it in and out. If you're if you're going with burgers, yeah, but these, at least make these, it in and out. No, I'm with you there. I, I'm not I'm not a McDonald's uh, endorser by any means. I eat there occasionally. Their dollar coffee is fantastic. But uh, yeah, I mean, snow in and out in D.C. Yeah, just insane. So. <laughs> I just, just love like everywhere. I mean, yeah, it was totally preposterous and ridiculous, like you said. It's just like we are living in a simulation. I'm 100 percent certain of that. But like seeing like the McDonald's sweet and sour packs in like uh, this White House like bowl that I'm sure has huge, significant historical value and has been there for like Ronald Reagan used to put something in it, like. Just it's totally, totally preposterous and ridiculous to see. John F. Kennedy <laughs> used to snort cocaine out of I, it. I, I, I wasn't even going to bring in JFK because who knows what kind of nefarious activities that what was going on there. I'm glad that was in the '60s. There was no Twitter or anything like that. Who knows? But Bill Clinton probably came in that bowl. I, I see. Uh, you're, you're you're going down that rabbit hole. I'm keeping it innocent. So uh, yeah, I of course so, so ridiculous that. You would put McDonald's in. It's like Richie Rich, or I don't even know what to describe it as. It's so so Definitely Richie Rich, right? Like it's what a a twelve year old would do if he had like a billion dollars and owned a McDonald's. So yeah, but eighteen to twenty two years old, free McDonald's. Under other other circumstances, not the worst thing. Like what happens if you're like nineteen years old? You come stumbling back to the dorm room. And you're hungry, but you like you don't have any money or whatnot. The cafeteria is closed, and someone just dropped you like five free Big Macs. It's not the worst night ever. It's all about context, in I suppose. Con- definitely about context. <laughs> definitely about context. <laughs> and and Trump was br- bragging about paying for it himself. Oh, cool! You spent four hundred dollars on McDonald's. <laughs> Sweet. I know. It's like. You have billions of dollars. Right. That's what, you like, your youth soccer coach should brag about when he rents out, like, a uh, one table at Chuck E. Cheese. He's like, yeah, I paid for this all on my own. Okay. But when you're... We couldn't even spring for some surf and turf. Just just some surf and turf. <sighs> I'm not talking anything crazy. I'm not talking anything out well, Are you talking, like, steak and lobster or, like... Steak, steak and, and lobster, action? brother. Yeah. Steak and lobster. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, obviously, that's that would be ideal, but... Ridiculous move all around. Super ridiculous. It's just. Also, if you're Dabo, well, Dabo's a pretty simple-minded dude, though, as well. So he might have had. I don't know what if he had a say in it or not. But like during their watch party for, 
like to see who they'd be playing in the college football playoffs. I think he ordered like a bunch of Papa John's pizza. Uh, kind of different in terms of budget wise, but it's not like he's the most sophisticated dude of all time. Yeah, Papa John's is just a crime too. I mean, it might not have been. Sorry, I, it might not have been Papa John's. I I apologize. I don't know who it was, but it was a chain. It better be Domino's. It might have been getting chain pizza. <laughs> You order Domino's. It might have been. Go fuck yourself. I didn't yourself. mean to Go to mislabel fuck yourself. Uh, the medium or the large three-topping pizza for seven ninety-nine from Domino's is probably one of the deals of the century. Deals of the century. And there, I recently had their pan pizza. <laughs> Out of this world. You are a pizza. Out guy. of this world. Yeah, you are a pizza guy. I'm a huge pizza guy. You're a huge you're a budget pizza, pizza guy. Huge budget pizza guy huge budget pizza and sometimes uh out of budget pizza yeah feeling crazy what's a pan pizza don't tell me they bake it in a pan <laughs> plot twist you're correct there Tommy. wow <laughs> but the depth the depth and the uh, quality like style? It, it gives to the crust it's not like chicago style in the sense that it's not like a lasagna it's just like a very thick buttery crust uh-huh. which is just like fantastic. the italians wanted it to be <laughs> yeah when they exactly. first made their pizza <laughs> yep just like the just like the chinese <laughs> wanted to be when they first made general so's <laughs> yeah big ups to general sow and his chicken <laughs> old like napoli that's what's that's the pizza they had in mind when they were creating it taco bell just like those <laughs> south of the border do it every day oh, the man. chalupa i'm not opposed to a crunch wrap supreme <laughs> Nor am I. Yeah. Nor am I. Oh, man. Well, what else? Government shutdown. Oh, just day 29, I just want to say, um, fuck Mitch McConnell. Uh, the House has passed bills that include government funding that don't include budget for the wall. And the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, of the Republican Party has blocked both those bills from even being voted on in the Senate. And that's because he knows they would pass the Senate and then would be put at Trump's desk where he would have to veto it and there would be no mistaking who was responsible for the government shutdown. Um, And I just want to talk about how fucked up it is. The Senate majority leaders have way too much power. One person should not be able to determine what bills are voted on and brought to the floor and which ones aren't. That should not be in the hands of one single individual. Yeah. So it's it's just the 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 breakdown in the Senate, there are forty five Democratic senators. There are two independent sen- Demo- independent senators who caucus with the Democrats, so they vote with them the majority of the time. So that puts them at forty seven. There are fifty two Republican senators. There are a number of Republican senators who have stated that they would pass a funding bill that didn't include funding for the wall that would then give them the majority the bill would pass trump would veto it and then it it would be whether or not they would have a uh, veto proof majority to then fund the government but mcconnell's just blocking all that not letting that happen and we need i don't understand how that one person who's not even the president has so much power within the Senate. Like, they can just determine what bills do and don't get voted on. It's just insane to me. But. It would appear that that individual doesn't have the best interest of America in mind, if you wanted to say that. 
and and you know the the Republican Party is at this point. I think it's safe to say allegedly that they are highly compromised uh, as far as who is who's Russian, whose interests not. they are working for. Yeah, <laughs> who whose interests they really have um, in mind when they're making decisions. So. You know, we are. Is our democracy compromised? Yeah, basically, we we have a compromised government and a comprom a compromised political system, and I don't know allegedly, um, and I don't know what our recourse is. How do we fix that right now today? Um, how, will it will it just become more compromised over time? Will it reverse itself? Who knows? Find out on the next episode <laughs> of the United States of America. Uh, we need an alien invasion. I think that's been my solution for a long time now. It's the only thing to draw us together. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Reagan. Um, You're welcome. Star Wars. Well, get it going. See I what know. I can do. Trump's set to make a major announcement at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, today. About the border and the wall. So Is he going to make a concession about not building the wall? Either that or he's going to try to or declare get some national emergency to build it. Um, <laughs> he's going to take money away from the DOD to build his wall? He's going to try, maybe. Or he's going to announce that some deal was made and the Democrats caved and gave him his funding. Who knows? Um, I'm waiting with bated breath. So... What does that yeah, saying mean? I just used it. Breath. I don't know if. Yeah. Um, I don't know where that came from. Your idiom. breath is uh, braided, baited, I b- believe. <laughs> I believe it means um, that you ate either a can of worms or some smaller fish. Uh, no, I, I don't know mm. where that comes from. Something about Bated Shakespeare. Breath is a phrase that means to hold one's breath due to suspense, trepidation, which is one of my favorite words. Or fear. Bated breath is first mentioned. Oh, Shakespeare. Shakespeare is the, the merchant of Venice. How do you get to the point where you can invent words and people listen to you? Where do you get, where do you, what threshold do you cross? And it's just like, all right, I made up a new word and we're saying it. This is what it means. And everyone's like, all right, we'll work on it. <laughs> I don't know. Can I do that? But that that's a life goal for sure. Right. Um, to get to a point where you can invent a word. I suppose we have that nowadays with like Merriam-Webster dictionary every year puts out like the the new 30 words Adding that are going into the stuff. dictionary. Yep. But they're usually like Absolute. slang terms. You have to be some sort of a scholar or, or to, f- to invent an actual word that's not slangish. Right. Like, like meme. Like Dawkins. Like Richard Dawkins invented the word meme. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Who's he? He's a... Uh, prominent atheist meme uh, creator evolutionary biologist oh. hmm. wrote the book the god delusion mm. um, that was a big deal back in the day i don't know if you remember that being no. uh being of re- religious leaning but there there are two big deal books that uh came out that People are like, ah, don't read. Don't let your kids get a hold of this. Blah. You know, and one was The God Delusion. My mom was like super Ooh. crazy about that. Yeah, I bet. And then what, 
What was the other one? This uh, one might surprise you, Tommy. The um, very Bible. popular. The very Quran, popular. the Bible. Uh, let me guess. The uh, Anarchist Cookbook. No, sir. Harry Potter and the uh, Sorcerer's Stone. No, you told me we've <laughs> actually discussed this on the podcast yeah. before. Your mom okay. was like, did yeah. not want you or your sister to uh, to read Harry Potter. And I was like, wow, yep. you grew up. You, I didn't know you grew up in a cult. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you grew no, up no. in some weird. No, no, Tommy, bizarre. it's pronounced it's pronounced Midwest. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I've only flown over the Midwest. So I'm hated by the Midwest. Yes. I've lived in it for a number of years. Hey, what's Omaha like? The Omaha is actually becoming a better and better place. I, I jokingly shit on Omaha whenever, yeah. uh, you know, because I'll say, I'm going I'm going to Omaha. Yeah. And people are like, what are you going there for? Uh, to get like, some steaks delivered um, in dry ice. And then, and then inevitably they inevita- inevitably they ask me about um what's Omaha like? And I'm like, you know, pr- pretty good. They just got electricity about two years ago and um dirt finally roads. paving the roads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Horse and buggy. But no, it's it's a nice little spot, honestly. If it wasn't for the fact that it is the surrounding uh topography is yeah. barren. Uninspiring. And um <laughs> <It's a good laughs> political word to use there <laughs> yeah and the uh populace is not in line with my own uh personal beliefs and the populace is also not in li- not in my weight class um <laughs> you'd have to go up a couple weight classes to fight in omaha <laughs> i'd have to, i'd have to go up a couple weight classes to <laughs> to be to be average yeah you'd have to, to eat a lot of a lot of uh, wagyu. Not to shit on Omaha. Love you guys. You're They're, where uh, my family's from. Uh, shout out to California motherfucking taco. But uh, oh, big big shout out. Yeah, but I got so Omaha's go all right. It's up and coming. There's a big hipster scene. They're kind of like becoming foodies. Um, it's definitely if you drew a. Let's see how far St. Louis. If you drew a diameter sur- or diameter line that just stops short of St. Louis and drew it all the way around Omaha, it's probably like the best place to be within that radius. You know. Mm. So okay. Yeah, I got it's definitely to go the best there. place to be in Nebraska. Definitely the best place to be in Iowa. Definitely the best place to be in Kansas. Definitely the best place to be in. OKC is pretty dope. Uh, I'll, I'll retract that statement because OKC's probably within reach of that diameter line so but yeah it's nice. it's it's becoming a city it's becoming civilized <laughs> um, whatever you want to like rules say about and that. like laws and stuff there's a sheriff you know yeah there y- you can get a better meal than just a runza oh i don't know if anybody knows what a runza is nope. but shout out to runza i thought we were talking about california mother effing tacos we are oh okay. yeah but runs as like it it's such a uniquely oh i'm looking it up right now specifically nebraska thing yeah it's yeah huh it's uh it looks like a hot pocket cabbage hamburger and onions so it's a hot pocket with diabetes (laughs) well which is inherently a hot pocket yeah and mystery meat yep it's german german is shit Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure it is. It could be good. 
It can be good. Just like, it can the, be, uh, just like the crunch wrap. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but California Taco, shout out. Shout out to Creighton University. Great uh, medical college. Yeah. University. So. Dougie Buckets. Dougie Buckets. Shout out to Doug McDermott. <laughs> shout out to China. Um, well. No, no, that's Jimmy. Uh, that's Jimmy, Jimmy for Jimmer's, Jimmer's, Jimmer's over there. Yeah. Sorry. He's Mormon, I, I got too. my... Uh, you got, got your white, white three-point <laughs> shooting college overachievers mixed up. Classic mistake. Yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. So Hard hard to do that. No, super hard. <laughs> Just like three of them per decade. Yeah. So Anyway. That's all. That's pretty much all I've got. Yeah. Brother. That's all I got. Well, I asked about Omaha because I got invited to take their fire exam in June to go out there i know so, I, I know somebody um who works for Omaha. oh really yeah that's random um yeah, i would definitely be able to to at least set you up for success in that regard if you want to do that cool yeah i mean it's in june but uh how'd you get invited to that i just applied and um yeah actually that's all you had to do <laughs> the air big c fire department brother I mean, like, yeah. you know, they have a cool thing where if you live outside of 200 miles, you can do the out of they call it like out of state testing, out of town or testing. So you can come in and do everything in like three days, like your your written, your CPAT and your interview. So that's kind of cool that they accommodate for that. Definitely. Um, so I think that's in June. So that's a little ways out. Uh, and Oklahoma yeah. City, they're testing through the NTN. So I might take that as well. Nice. Yeah. OKC is a nice spot. I liked it. Well, I was th- I was only there for a day, but it was, it was yeah, nice. they got a sports team. Wouldn't be the worst town ever. Yeah. So you're just you're expanding. I'm out there, bro. Yeah, I'm out there. Casting that wide I, net. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, when I first started, I don't know if this is on the podcast or not. Uh, but yeah, when Do you I want first, it, be? it I it doesn't matter to me either way. I'm just saying it's not really relevant. Okay it's kind of personal yeah. but uh yeah like when i first started it was like yeah, i'll just i had people told me like yeah you need to apply everywhere and i'm like yeah okay yeah sure i'll apply everywhere and then i applied to like just very specific areas cities that i would want to live in and that didn't really get me anywhere so now i'm like all right i think you actually have to apply everywhere <laughs> it's a numbers game so i mean it some people have the, some people have the golden ticket it's like the first time they apply they get where they want to go and that's great but i feel like for the majority of us, you gotta you gotta play the numbers. Definitely have to play the numbers, and it like I said, if you want to up those numbers, um, paramedic is definitely a semi. Yep, at yep. least a bronze ticket. So uh, for uh, sure, yeah. Definitely. So is lateral. Lateral's huge as well. Right, if you can come that's, from a different that's department. That's more of the route that I see myself taking. Yeah. What's the What's the weirdest city that you've applied to? <laughs> uh i mean the farthest would be roanoke virginia wow but like i just i mean i haven't actually been out there but i applied yeah and uh i got invited to the written it's in april but i haven't done more than that and it's not necessarily that it's far it's that it's not really near an airport that i would fly into it's it's on the western part of the state and i like i think you'd fly into richmond at least like the cheapest flights would be into richmond and then you'd have to drive like across the state so i don't foresee that happening um i'm trying to think of anything else weirder than that i wouldn't say anything's very weird but 
just some cities that I never really just out there, just, just remote. Out. I mean, Oklahoma City and Omaha is pretty random. Have you looked at Alaska? No, not even once. You told me you about, should look at Alaska. You told me you're one of the guys that you, uh, yeah, did the Alaska. I I don't think I could live there. You just gotta do it for a little while, brother. <laughs> just a little while. Um, I think I can. I think I can figure something else out, but I'll I'll keep that in mind. Oh, North Little Rock? That's pretty random. Yeah, that is. (laughs) But at least I could fly into Little Rock. Probably not great. Probably not great. Shout out to Arkansas. Uh, That's the setting of season three of True Tech. Bill Clinton's from there. Yep. Uh, Number one state for CIA drug trafficking. Allegedly. Um, We didn't say that. Man, we're getting... We've said enough controversial <laughs> things today. Yeah, we probably need to pull a plug. Yeah. <laughs> they might pull it for us. Too much. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a real shame if uh, that if flight to North Little Rock didn't quite end up in North <laughs> Little Rock. Yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, Tommy, sorry I gotta go. Somebody's knocking at my door. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> why is this? Why is this blinking? <laughs> Beep. Uh. <laughs> so good yeah um right. <laughs> until it's not <laughs> uh yeah man enjoy yeah. the fights uh text me i'll be watching so uh text me your breakdown round by round of every single fight sounds good brother i'm it's just gonna do this with you yeah as always listening until next time sounds good all right bye later